Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Emerging Ease, where we will focus on unraveling the difficulties in the midst of our journey and move toward forward progress. This program is not meant to replace any form of therapy, and you are encouraged to seek out a mental health professional if necessary. Hello and welcome to Emerging Eve. I'm your host, Keisha, and you are tuned into the Bachelor News Radio Network. Please feel free to call 646-949-0130. Um, if you have any questions, or you can send your questions to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA Bachelor. Uh, come on in and let's talk today about personal acceptance. Um, many of you may wonder what the heck is personal acceptance? That's an awesome question, and we're going to get into that. Oh, also, uh, if you have any questions throughout the week or any topics that you want, uh, to have discussed, please feel free to email those to EmergingEase, uh, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, look for and join Emerging Ease group uh, that's on Facebook. Let's see. Okay, so today we're talking about personal acceptance, and I want to give you um, a, a definition to get a really uh, good understanding of what personal acceptance is. So what it is, is um, understanding and recognizing your own abilities as well as your own limitations um, in every moment. Matter of fact, I want to kind of emphasize the word moment. And um, to recognize that um, you have abilities that are natural, you have strengths that you've grown, you have things you need to improve, but it does not mean that it is a a thing that is anything that's impossible, okay? So with personal acceptance, it's accepting where you are in that moment without judging yourself. Um, Let's see. All right, so the first part that I want to look at is uh, what, what all do we need to do to start with uh, personal acceptance. Oh, I'm sorry. I got the phone number wrong for some reason. Um, the phone number is 646-929-0130. I don't – I must have been thinking of something else. I apologize about that in any confusion. Also, you can listen uh, now at the thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Thank you very much. Um, So the first thing is to set an intention. Now, with personal acceptance, to set an intention, that means what's your aim, what's your focus, what's your goal for self in that moment. Because remember, I think a few weeks back, 
I have made the statement that you can um, be perfectly where you are in that time, but the very next moment you should be striving for something else, something more. Uh, that's basically going to be uh, a buildup on where you're already at. So everything you do is a stepping stone for yourself to move forward. Um, with the intention is acknowledging where where you want to see yourself. Not necessarily one year down the road, not necessarily uh, six months down the road, but very much where you are now, what's your next step? If it's concerning your job, wherever you're at now, let's say you're at entry level, what's your next step? Are you looking to go into manager? Are you looking to be able to maintain this until you're able to branch out and open your own, whatever you're looking for? You have to be very mindful that with your next step, it needs to be that thing, that very next step, not the the next hill or the next mountain, but the very next step. Because what that does is it, it takes the uh, pressure off of you. It helps you limit the, um, the anxiety that you may experience when you feel like, dang, I'm not making it up the side of this mountain to get to my big, huge goal. But you have steps as you work toward that goal. So by looking at the steps versus the mountain, you're able to take a lot of stress off of yourself and out of your interaction. Um, and it limits the, the way you look at yourself as sometimes people can be very, very hard on themselves and think, well, hey, I wasn't successful in this step the way I wanted to be successful in this step. So therefore, you know, I'm a failure. I'm, un, I'm unsuccessful. I'm unable to do certain things. The very next portion in self-acceptance is celebrate your strength. This is the part where um, it reminds me of the Olita Adams song, uh, Sometimes You Have to Encourage Yourself as part of the course. I can't remember the name of the song right off the bat. But sometimes you have to encourage yourself. You have to say, I did really good at this, or I did excellent at that. Or, you know, I completed this task or this goal. You have to be able to look at your strengths. What what do you do well? What comes easy to you? Uh, what things do you feel um, that are brag, uh, that you're able to brag about to yourself? And we have to learn how to brag to ourselves because that's what overcomes those negative self-thoughts is being able to say to myself, you know, I'm intelligent, I'm strong, I'm creative, I'm, I'm powerful, I'm successful, uh, and I have all these things to back up what I'm saying. So I'm proving to myself. I'm giving myself facts to support that I do have strength. And with those strengths, I can continue to move forward. It's very important for us as people to uh, look at what our strengths are because so often when things don't go our way, we, we take on this really heavy weight. And in taking on this heavy weight, we look at ourselves in a very negative light. And that very negative light can be very defeating and detrimental to our progress. Because, for one, you're wasting energy on talking yourself down, so talking down to yourself. Another thing is when you get stuck in that muck of negative self-talk, it's very hard to pull yourself out. It's not impossible. It's just it adds another difficulty, and it adds another obstacle to overcome to then get to whatever your next step is as you work toward that ultimate goal. 
So identify your strength. Celebrate yourself. Um, sometimes what what I encourage clients to do is send yourself one of those scheduled messages just to for the next day, especially if you know something difficult is coming, just to identify what you successfully did in the past few days or the past week. So then when that message comes in while you're going through that possible difficulty, you're able to see in your own words, in your own phone, yeah, I remember when I successfully did this. I remember when I did that. And it gets you, it's kind of like being your own hype person. Because if you're not hyping yourself, sometimes there's absolutely nobody else to do it. And it's very important that we do those things for ourselves. Be your hype person. Be the person that's able to say, because I did this, I know I can do that. Uh, the next step, and we've kind of touched on this a few times, is considering the people around you. Now, for a hot second, I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to get on my soapbox. Everyone, please be mindful of the interactions you're having and the interactions you're maintaining with people. Some interactions are so negative and so draining and so hurtful, but many times we as people hold on to them because that's all we know in that time. That's how we feel we have access. That is telling yourself a total tale. Let those people go. Let those people out of your life. If they're not trying to go or they're going slowly, then you cut yourself off from them because they are not offering anything positive, healthy, or nurturing to you or to your life. Be mindful that in cutting off those interactions, it does not mean that you will no longer uh, be able to have any interaction with that person. So be mindful until that person gets to a healthy, happy place in their life, they're not going to be able to support your healthy, happy place. And I say that because not only in national news, but in local news, there have been so many atrocities of people being harmed and killed um, because of negative people that they were fearful or concerned about letting go. Another thing, as we consider the people around us, there is absolutely no way you can offer happiness to anyone else. If you are not happy, you cannot support someone else's happiness. You cannot create happiness and give it to someone. They have to decide on that themselves. Also, in attempting to share your happiness, they will suck all of your joy out of out of your situations and then leave you with nothing but emptiness. Please, 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 if you are interacting with people like that, please uh, be mindful to, you know, create positive space between you guys. That means you can exit the situation in a positive way and focus on yourself. It, it's, it's, it's too uh, many options for you in life to be able to express joy and identify other people that have joy to share with you, and that will reinforce your joy and your own happiness. Um, so the people that um, that you're around, if they speak negatively to you, this is another thing. Um, then how will they, how are they speaking life? Because your your happiness, your intention, your um, acceptance comes from hope and possibility. So if a person is speaking negativity all the time in your life, that's that's not supporting hope, joy, possibilities, positive intention, or acceptance. 
So the thing is, what's the purpose of them? Now, with many people, they'll say, well, if this, what if it's a family member? Even with a family member, you can create a positive space and set those boundaries. I think we talked about that about two weeks ago, setting appropriate boundaries with people, saying I, I cannot accept this into my life, so therefore until you change, because they're the ones bringing the negativity, until they change, they can't come into a certain proximity of you. Not saying that you have to cut that family member completely off. Sometimes you may have to. But it is very important for you to set those healthy uh, boundaries for yourself to maintain your personal acceptance, to maintain uh, your peace, to maintain your happiness and your joy. When a person speaks negativity out into the atmosphere, let's just give that kind of picture, you have the choice to either reject it or you have the choice to accept it. Whether you reject it or accept it, it takes action. Now, if you're not very strong with your action of rejecting it because, well, you know, I don't want to tell that person that's hurtful or I don't want to tell that person I cannot accept that uh, that perspective, whatever. If you feel like, well, if I say something to this person, it's going to be hurtful to them, then you have to think what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm accepting it in some kind of way. Now, you may not wholeheartedly say, yes, exactly what you said is true and I'm going to take it in, but you are saying, since I won't speak against it, then I I must be accepting it in some kind of way. And it's going to sit over in the corner until something happens and then the minute that a situation comes up and it's not successful the way you would like it to be, then you think back, well, so-and-so said, you know, this to me or they said that to me. So, therefore, what they did tell me a year ago or when I was a little kid or 10 years ago, then it is true. They just saw it before I did. That is absolutely not the truth. So be mindful. Either you have the action of rejecting it or you have the action of receiving it and accepting it. In the rejection, it doesn't have to be rude or disheartening or anything hurtful to that person. Just tell that person, I don't accept that. Because when you speak it out of your mouth, it puts it into their uh, ears. They're thinking that, well, dang, they're not accepting this negativity I'm putting out there. But it also puts it in a whole new uh, realism for you. Because when we say things, it has a whole other reality. So being mindful to say those things, I don't accept that. And then that's where you start that boundary at. Um, Also, what are you willing to do? to be able to avoid, you know, accepting uh, negative input from others. And we'll talk more about that next week is accepting and rejecting things that are healthy to us and then those things that are not healthy to us. Well, I want to give you some info right quick. We have uh, on the Bachelor News Network, there will be – I want you to listen in Friday from 5 to 5.30 p.m. for our featured artist of the week. This week will be Patti LaBelle. Listen for 30 minutes of Patti LaBelle at the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Uh, it's, it's the featured album for this Friday, and it's exclusively on Bachelor News Radio Network. All right. 
Now, let's go into uh, the next portion, which is create a support system. I've, I've touched on this um, about creating a support system. This is so important. For one, the first word is support. Support, support, support. That means all things that are positive and, and focused on helping you get to where you're trying to be. So people that will accept you as you are in all of your perfection and all of your imperfection, they will accept you. They're not trying to work to change you. They're not working to try to tear you down or tell you all the negative about yourself. What their purpose is is to say, hey, if, um, if I'm here, uh, I'm all for you. I'm looking to make sure you have the things that you need. Now, your support system is going to also work because then it gives you the ability to be supportive of them as well. It's very easy to support and encourage someone who's also supporting and encouraging you. Um, because not only are they pouring into you, but now you have something to offer them and pour into them. You learn something, you go and share it with them. They learn something, they come and share it with you. You both are on a positive growth. Now, a positive support system doesn't have to be 100 people. It has to be, though, people that you can trust, people that are positive, people that are going to be honest with you. That is one of the main things, people that will be honest with you and tell you, hey, this is not um, something that you need to be focused on right now. This is not something that, you know, that looks like it's a, you know, that like it's working for you. You 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 dated this person possibly before. It ended up really horrible and hurtful to you. Really reconsider and look at that. They'll talk to you from a place of fact, not from a place of feeling or assumption. Um, and with those places of fact, it's very important to look at the facts of, am I doing something that's the same thing that was hurtful to me before? And if so, why? Uh, by allowing myself to reenter a situation that was hurtful to me before, it's not helpful to me right now at all. Another key to self-acceptance is forgive yourself. Many times we as people have made choices and we feel very guilty or even shame behind the choices we've made. And we hold it over our heads and hold it over our heads and hold it over our heads. Now, whether it's something you've done to someone else or to yourself, you have to be able to forgive yourself. Um, many people say, well, you know, how in the heck do I forgive myself for something that I've done? Um, I haven't even talked to the person and asked them to forgive me. If that is something that you feel needs to be done in your journey, go to that person and, add, and you know, express your your uh your want to resolve any contention. I encourage people, don't say, hey, I want you to forgive me because I blew your card back in 1992. Don't do that. If that person chooses to forgive you, that's 100% their choice. Even if they choose not to forgive you, you still have the choice to forgive yourself and say, hey, I'm a new person. I make different types of choices. That action was hurtful. Either I knowingly did it and it was hurtful, or I did not realize the hurt that it was going to cause. The fact is it's done. There's nothing I can do to take that action back, to take those words back even. 
but I forgive myself because my whole focus is not to maintain that type of interaction with other people. We all make uh, choices that we regret at times, and we have to grow past those. We have to accept that, you know, I've learned from that choice because some of our choices are not mistakes, they're choices, and I choose not to return to that and to let that just be. Don't hold it over yourself. Don't hold yourself down because of that. Many of us uh, also may say uh, being the worst critic possible to ourselves. When you are your biggest critic, just think of it like this. You are with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week from birth to death. If you are always talking down to yourself or rendering a harsh judgment on yourself or any type of negativity, you can't get away from that person because it's you. So at that point, you need to make a decision within you that um, I believe that I am successful. I believe that I can accomplish what my goals are, what my intentions are, what my uh, positive uh, interactions will be with other people. I believe I can accomplish whatever goals I set for myself. Now, with that, also add on to that, I'm human. Sometimes I make positive choices. Sometimes my choices don't work out so well. Sometimes I even make a mistake. But what I'm doing is I'm doing the best that I can do and that's the best I can do at any point in time. With reminding yourself of that, it quiets that criticism, that judgment that we put on ourselves that kind of goes back to the one I just talked about is that forgiving yourself. You are the only one that can make the choice to to move forward from things that are, that are difficult for you. And in those... Uh, and looking back over your life, look at the things that you felt were not successes. I don't like to use the word failures because that seems so um, constant, so uh, focused on, well, if I failed once, I'll fail all the time. But those things that weren't successful in the time, what did you learn from it? Because in everything we go through, positive or negative, we learn something about it. In learning, then you use that as you progress to your next step. Um, the next one to kind of touch on is grief. Grief about the loss of an unrealized dream. This one you have to be kind of cautious about because if you say, well, my unrealized dream is to finish my bachelor's and I'm 60 years old and there's no way I can go back to school, why can't you? The thing is, with this one to, to give a clarification. Those unrealized dreams of the past, don't hold those over yourself as, well, since I didn't do it then, I can never do them. Just because it didn't happen then doesn't mean that it can't happen now. As long as you're on this side of the dirt, as I often tell my clients, you're on this side of the dirt and you're still breathing, you have a chance and an opportunity to realize whatever dreams you have for yourself. If it's oh, well, you know, I want to run a marathon. Get out there and start doing the things that you need to do to, to prepare for one. First, identify when you want to go and run in. Don't put one for next week and you've never ran past the block because <laughs> that's not going to that's, that's gonna be hurtful to your body physically, 
and your uh, and your thought process. But put one out to where you give yourself time to train for it, time to get prepared for it, time to do those step-by-step things that you need to do to be successful at the goal that you have. If it's to uh, get in or change your career, do it. If nothing else have we learned from COVID, COVID has taught us if it's something you were trying to do, this is the time to do it. If you want to go back to school, do it. If you want to change your career, do it. If you want to begin to do yoga, begin to go jogging every day, do it. There's absolutely nothing but yourself standing in your way at this point. So those unrealized dreams of the past, just because they're in the past, say, hey, I couldn't do it then. I grieve the fact that I wish I would have, and that means I've gotten to a place of acceptance. And in that acceptance, move forward. Okay, so I have a question from Stacy. Stacy is asking, in learning to be assertive and having a support system, um, oh, excuse me, is learning to be assertive and having a support support network to you uh, part of personal, uh, excuse me, positive self-esteem and personal acceptance? Uh Self-esteem, not necessarily, but a positive support system uh, can reinforce a positive self-esteem. That positive self-esteem comes from your personal beliefs about you. Now, in that, um, earlier when I was discussing, we have to decide what we're going to reject and what we are going to accept. A positive support system are going to give us more things that we can accept about ourselves, okay? So they're going to tell you, Oh, I see this as a strength. I see this as a positive. I see this as, you know, help for your next step that you're on. So they're going to be like your your cheerleaders, the ones rooting for you. Uh, even someone that's going to educate you. Hey, I see this or I know this. Let me help you understand this or let me show you this. Um, personal acceptance, that helps you directly because this is an in, internal thing. You're internally accepting yourself, so therefore your self-esteem is going to go up. It's very important to have personal acceptance. Sometimes uh, one, one thing that's like very upfront that maybe we see more in today's society is that people will not accept themselves for who they are as far as their sexual preference. So therefore, they do all they can to hide it and hide it and hide it because of possible assumptions of how my family is going to receive me, what is my work going to say, what are my friends going to say, you know, how I don't want to be rejected by everyone. So, therefore, they hide what they feel is their, their truth about their sexual preference. And all the while, it's hurting them. It's not hurting the people on the outside. It's hurting them directly on the inside. So, yes, uh, your, your uh, self-esteem can be reinforced by your support system. Your personal acceptance is working right alongside your, uh, your self-esteem. All right. Um, one more I wanted to uh, touch on before we end is thinking about where do you see your highest level of self? Now, this is something that many of us don't think about often, and that's okay because, you know, that's, that's a difficult question. Many people think, well, what's my highest self? Where do you see yourself? Like, if you reach your ultimate goal, where do you see yourself? So then imagine you have now having a conversation 
with you, the way you see yourself at the highest level you could actually reach, what would you now say to your highest self? What would your highest self, version of self, say to, say to you? I would imagine, at least from my perspective, from my highest self, um, it would be encouragement, like keep pushing. Don't be discouraged. Um, look to the things that you want and, and push toward them because anything's attainable. All right. Well, I want to thank you for you all for tuning in today. I hope that today's discussion has been and will continue to be helpful in your life's journey. You have been listening to Emerging Ease with Keisha on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Talk thank to you, guys you for tuning week. in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Keisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please reach out to the National Crisis Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And I look forward to hearing from you next week on Emerging Ease with Keisha. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
And welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We thank them for broadcasting this, WCLM in Richmond, Virginia, IBM TV. And you can watch the show on Big My Entertainment on Amazon, um, Roku, and Fire Stick. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us, as always, uh, on the broadcast. I want to go uh, straight to my guest. He is a licensed therapist and, of course, uh, host of A Dose of the Dime with Yanni. It airs every Friday morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That's Connecticut time. Um, here on the Bathroom News Radio Network. And I want to bring in Yanni. Hey, Yanni, I appreciate you coming on, as always. What's up, what's up? All our mommies and poppies is Yanni, your DJ, and Dance Ducky with Mr. L.A. Bachelor. Let's get it. Sound like you're in a spaceship somewhere, so we're gonna we're gonna work with that. Um, I, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to talk about. Uh, I, I'm sure you heard and 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 read about the uh, Simone Bias story where she decided that in the best interest of her, right, herself and her mental state that she withdrew from some of the competition at the Olympics in Tokyo, which also is a selfless move in regards to being a good teammate. I'm in the air flipping, and I'm forgetting where I'm at. This is not only not going to help me and injure me, but it's also going to help, I mean, going to hurt the team. Um, So I wanted to get your thought first about that, how she handled it, um, the negative feedback she got, but she did get a lot of love as well in this this era that we call social media. Okay, so first and foremost, let's get to the big update. Fortunately, it's what I tell my kids, and I, you know, I, I do recognize the space on that. But I tell my kids and I tell my children that we have to be ten times better than other children. And I'm talking about us melanated children have to be ten times better and the other children in order for us to get barely any recognition. So when we foul, when we mess up, when we, you know, get in trouble, it's ten times worse. I mean, we, we saw the same thing with some issues with Phil. You know, um, he did not get nearly any of the backlash that some of our athletes have gotten on this Tokyo one. I mean, we're not just talking about the mountain. We're also talking about, you know, um, uh, I forgot the sister's name, but the, the runner, she got backlash, a lot of it, wanting her to even drop out of the Olympics, but for what? Why, why is it that we have to be the best of the best of the best, and they can be mediocre in the okay? Yeah, I, I just want to uh, let you know I'm going to um, mute you for a second because we're, we're getting a lot of feedback and some of uh, what you're saying is is muffled but you're right uh if you can adjust that but you're right that we have to be better you had to teach your and tell your children had to have that conversation i had to do the same and continue to do it and and certainly other parents are are doing it now not just because of of incidents like this where social media goes crazy the social media era but also in the the dangers of society, you know, we, as you and I know, the police brutality and the things, 
um, women and, and men of color being killed for just on the base of that is crazy. But, you know, with, with Simone coming out and saying this, it, it really speaks to her, not just her courage. And I'm using that word. And a lot of people who are just sports people and, and like Laura Ingram said, just dribble the ball, damn it. And don't talk about issues. Um, those who are always going to have their issues with our athletes in particular should see the courage, not only because of her stepping away because of her illness, but this is a young lady that's strong. She, her college coach, her gymnast coach, um, committed horrible, heinous sexual advancements and acts on her. And still she worked through that still working through that. I'm sure you're a therapist. She's, I'm sure she's still working through that, but also performed at a high level, setting that aside, being a team player again in the midst of that. So she could have folded then, Yanni, um, from that experience. And here she is. She gets through that. She makes it to be arguably, I believe, the greatest gymnast of all time, at least in the United States. And she's mm-hmm. going through this. So she doesn't get the credit. How much of that also speaks to um, the fact that she's a black female as well, that the fact that, you know, had this been a, a guy, you know, we're patting him on the back and talking about the strength and the courage and his focus to get through it and all, all these other things. But here it is, Simone Baez, and it's a different story. Well, okay, so the one thing that I do know about um, majority of us black women, I never try to speak in generalities. That's a thing that I won't ever do. But the majority of us are resilient, if nothing else. So, yes, Sister Girl went through a lot of trauma, a lot of um, definitely some, some very, very difficult times, but she found that love and that space for the things that she wanted to do. Having that trauma does not take from the fact that she's an amazing athlete. Having that trauma does not take from the fact that she loves what it is that she does, and she's good at it. And so that, for me, for instance, and I know this has nothing to do, but I'm going to relate it back. Um, Going through my divorce, I love dance. When I went through my divorce, I was teaching dance at least four times a day because I needed to find a space where I could be safe and feel safe, and it was when I danced. So having her come back out and show out, it, it was, yes, it is phenomenal. It is awesome. But, yeah, I, I expected nothing less. I expected nothing less because of the fact that she, you know, us as black women, we are resilient. And when we find our coping skill, we find that thing that we love, we find that thing that makes us glow, we, we cling to that. And, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we've, we've heard it all before. There's a lot of um, people that will say, you know, that black women are the most underrated women on the face of the earth, and we're the most underprotected. Um, I saw a post today, and obviously this has nothing to do with the Olympics, but I saw a post today, and it made me think about it. Um, she asked, she was asking women of different ethnicities, not, not women of color. She wanted any other um, ethnicity of women, white women, um, um, Asian women, anything but a black woman. Um, and she asked, has any man ever asked them what they brought to the table? Has that ever been a discussion? Because she wanted to make a point that for us, it is always us getting asked what it is that we bring to the table. But 
we don't see that being asked of any other race or any other culture. And the overwhelming response was, no, that question doesn't come up. So why is that always a thing for us? Why do we have to prove and overprove and prove again that we're not, not just that we're worth because we're worth it just because we're here, but why that we are good. We are great. We are good. Why do we have to prove that? That, that's a, that's a, a whole hidden trauma that we probably need to eventually talk about together. That's a great uh, point and great uh, point of conversation as well. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Yanni Knox of A Dose of Dine, of course, that airs every Friday morning at 930 uh, Eastern on the Bachelor News Radio Network here and WCOM. Yanni, when you look at um, this taboo, this mentality, is it more – I just thought about it, and and when – the negative, the naysayers are always going to be there, regardless of any issue or topic or discussion. There's always going mm-hmm. to be someone negative and this and that. So I came to expect that when she pulled out, especially, again, from people who just look at it through the lens of sports. Just go play. I don't care about you having problems. I want to win. I want you to win gold for the United States. Um, but the other part of it is that this, this stigma society in general, but, but more specifically the, the people of color, that we can't have these conversations in our communities, in our households. We can't talk. I'm stressed. I need someone to talk to. It may not mean you're going to go out and shoot up, God forbid, the whole place, but you just, you fatigue. You got weight on the world and all that stuff. Why is that? Is it more of society just kind of, of – Putting this this label on people are they're just bonkers because they're you know fatigued mentally, or is it because it's just a, a sort of a, a going back to a sort of a testosterone thing where you know everybody's got to be tough and you can't do this and what what is it the reason for why especially when it comes to athletes and, and people of color specifically? I feel like. Um, a lot of it, and not just athletes. I feel like a lot of this comes from generational trauma. Um, and hear me out when I say this for those of you who don't know what generational trauma is. So our people, most of our, most of our people were not born in America. We were brought here via um, the slave trade Congo, okay? So with that being said, they're like spankings are also a generational. It was a help for when our um when we were all in slavery, because no master, you don't have to whip our children. Look, we're going to whip them for you so that they don't kill them. So I feel like a lot of us were taught to stifle our emotions, to stifle our cries for help, to um, hold whatever you have going on. And that would be considered your dirty laundry. And as you already know, we don't ever air our dirty laundry. And it's been like a societal thing a cultural thing that has kind of stayed with us throughout history. And we're not even going to go into how Gen X, you know, I, I, I don't know if you are Gen X. I think, I think you might be a boomer, right? Right, LA. Uh, but how Gen X is, um, <laughs> how Gen X was um, kind of, we were the original latchkey kids. You know, we didn't get that space 
to, if something went wrong, we had to figure it out ourselves. We did not dare call our mom, call our dad. And I'm just, I'm not talking just about culturally this time. At this point, it is a whole generation of X generation people who stifle their feelings and don't talk about the things that are going on because you know what? We got a job to do. So let's get this job done. We were taught to hold that together because God forbid you contacted somebody to help you. It meant that you couldn't do your job or for children. It meant that, you know, if if you, if it was something that was easy and you couldn't figure it out, you're now going to get in trouble. So we learn how to stifle and figure stuff out on our own. So it is a generation teaching generation, teaching generation that no, you figure this out on your own. You don't tell other people what's going on in your house. It's dirty laundry. You don't air that. And as far as, what I call the social media paparazzi, they, it, it is literally people sitting on their behinds who don't know much about anything. They hear, well, why does she get to stand what's going on? It's always somebody sitting on their behind, doesn't know anything about the sport, but they hear these stories and they go off because of what happened to them and they made it through. But you don't understand the level of scrutiny that, and, and precision that these, these athletes have to go through in order to perform at their best at the Olympics. And how much, again, we go back to the stifling, stifling of all of that emotion, of all of that, you know, they power through the pain. That is an everyday thing for them. So it's, it's only, what, real that they power through their emotional pain. And it was good that she did what she did. Hopefully she can be an example to other people that you should talk about and step out and be upfront with what it is that's going on with you. You know, I mean, Barbara and, and Florida uh, mentioned the social media. Um, if, if more people focused on the positive on social media, some of this would go away. I don't know what this means, what she said. I hope that she'll well, hit Well, I mean, she's in. just making, like, a comment. Like, you know, if people would just focus on the positives of the story as opposed to digging apart the negatives, that society would be a better place. I agree with that. But the problem is is that it's too easy to focus on the negative. I, I always do this exercise when I'm teaching a, parent, a parenting class because – Focusing on negative is so easy. Focusing on positive actually takes time. I ask people to close their eyes and focus on something positive, something positive that happened today. And I I see a few smiles. It takes a few minutes, and that's good. But then I say, okay, now let's think about something negative that happened today. Almost immediately, almost immediately, there's groans, there's grunts, there's, oh, my God, it's so easy because negative is in your face. Negative, everybody can identify with. And so when people feel entitled, like, for instance, um, well, she didn't go through what I went through. I went through full-fledged rape. Well, okay, it doesn't make her trauma any less than yours just because what happens, you may have been physically more assertive. Trauma hits people on different levels. Depression hits people on different levels. And when you have people that are holding you accountable for your actions, like your team is counting on you to be 100% and you're not, what do you do? Isn't it the honorable to bow out? I mean, I'm with that. Something to be said with Barbara said and, and what you're you're pointing out. I mean, on your show and even in uh, our conversations, either via tech or call. Hell, I called you last week. You were doing a 
exercise class or something. I mean, all you, you, it's all positive vibes. And, you know, we don't know how people are in their private times all the time, but it, you exude the positive. And, and, and that's the point she's making as well. So it, how much of the, the negative of plays a part in the message, you and other therapists, and, we're, you know, the topic is, is athletes that are trying to tell their story to bring forth people to, to get help or, or talk to someone. How much of the negative and the, the fake news, that term? Because, you know, social media could be our best friend. It could be our worst enemy if, if you don't do the research. And like you said, positive is easy. Um, the getting the, 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 I mean, negative is easy to, to, to follow. Positive takes some work. Um, to to believe something positive. So how much of the fake news and and some of that negative uh, spin out there uh, sort of blocks what you're trying to do in terms of helping your your clients, your patients, and and athletes coming out to talk about their stories? Well, I try to tell my kiddos um, and my, um, my clients to, honestly, I don't look at the news. I do not look at the news. The majority of it I get from social media, and I will click on an article that I want to read if I'm interested in it. And the reason why I don't do that is because the news um, and a lot of these social media platforms, um, especially the ones that you can just roll on and it just plays, are designed to feed your fear. They're designed to feed your um, hatred. They're designed to get you hooked in emotionally. And, again, we just talked about it. The easiest way to get you hooked in emotionally is to talk about something negative, something that somebody is scared of. And immediately somebody's hooked in. Oh, what's going on? Yeah, fear, hate, activity, that breeds. It breeds, and that's how they get you hooked in. And unfortunately, to catch ratings or to, for whatever reason, to get you to click on their website, that's how they do it. Now, for me, I always tell my kiddos and, and um, my, um, my clients, you want to be careful of those people that openly choose positivity and happiness. Most of us that openly choose to live our life positive and openly choose to live our life in a happy manner have been through hell. And we got there, we got to this positive place by openly choosing to be happy, to choose the positive over the negative. And it does not happen overnight. It is a continuous battle. Because, And I talk about um, this with my kids. There is a, there's a, a continuum, like a circle. Um, and I feel like everybody wakes up at different points on the circle. So if you're having a positive self-esteem day, you wake up on a, on the far side of the circle and that's good. But there are going to be days you wake up on a, on the other side of the circle where you're not feeling so hot. It is going to happen. It always happens. And it's unfortunate. And those are the days that you have to openly choose positivity. You have to openly choose to make yourself feel better and openly choose to, um, Treat yourself just a little better before you go into anything else. Because when you, those people who have been through hell, like myself, um, get into that negative spiral, it can be devastating and damaging for everyone around them. So that is why they openly choose positivity in all of these things. Well, just to follow up with that, um, you know, Jerry said, um, you know, the reason why um, reality TV works is because people want to see, 
you know, people having issues like they have. And, and he brought up NASCAR crashes and stuff. And he's actually right. NASCAR, people watch NASCAR a lot. Uh, the, the numbers show not for the race, but for the crashes. They want to see destruction wow. and, and negative <laughs> and stuff, uh, which is crazy. But, they, I mean, the, the, the stats don't lie. Um, but just to follow what you said, I mean, take, for instance, if, if you're going to be – you mentioned being careful about people who are just taking all the positive. I mean – then how do you decipher between, you know, the the good and the bad in those those instances? You know, case in point, you may have a, a pastor that, you know, teaches, you know, revelation. If you know the scriptures, you know, doom and gloom, going to hell, burning to hell, that kind of thing. Or, or a guy like Joel Osteen that talks about God's love all the time. So, I mean, what do you choose? You choose the person that's going to be like, well, if you don't do this, you're going to get this. Or you choose the other one saying, well, everything's lovely if you just do this. I mean, it, it, as it relates to getting that message out, how do you decipher that? Ooh, okay. So... I always try to tell people to remain within balance. And you kind of uh, misunderstood what I was saying about those of us that choose positivity. When I say we choose positivity, we have the tendency to go off. We could go off, but we choose positivity. I'm talking about those people. Now, there is a trait called toxic positivity, (laughs) but those people use it in a very different manner, okay? So let's go back to your question. Your question was, how do you, when you're feeding yourself, when when you're going into your religious practice or your spiritual practice, what is best for you? And I would always go back to that your spirit knows better than you can ever know. So if it feels right within your spirit, what it is that you're doing, if it feels right within your spirit, what it is that you're hearing, if it brings you joy, if it makes you feel good, then continue doing that. Do not ever go to a space where when you go, and you're supposed to be getting fed when you're doing religious work, if you're going to a space where um, you feel fearful, or like I better do this, or I better repent, or I you feel fearful, or you feel like you know you're not doing the right thing, and it doesn't feel good within your spirit, and you don't feel like you're in a positive space. That is not a space for you to be in, because what we know for sure is what we feel passionate about. We're bringing more of that to us. So be in a space. Trust your intuition. If you feel good in your space. At the moment, and I don't mean copping out and drugs and alcohol, all that. I mean, if you genuinely feel good in a space, there's laughter, there's joy, you feel genuinely happy about what's going on, then that is the space that you need to be in, okay? Mm. That That's what I would say about that. And, and thanks for the clar- clarification. We're talking with Yanni Knox, a licensed therapist and host of A Dose of a Dime. We'll, uh, we'll allow her at the end to get into her practice and and about her show even more. So the the beginning of this whole interview and conversation was about athletes coming out like Simone did and others using their voice for good, uh, even mm-hmm. if it, it doesn't look good. And feel good even in cases and knowing they're going to get blowback, a LeBron James or others that may come out in different platforms or different issues um, for the sake of the public and the public to, to learn that it's okay to, to talk about this and seek, you know, your conversations. Um, with all that being said, how impactful, if any, these powerful athletes that have these millions of followers on Twitter and all these other places, 
how much of their voice really makes a change, can make a change, and having people feel comfortable in their space, like you said, um, to talk about their illness, their stress, whatever they're going through, uh, to, to, to get that help. Well, I applaud people that stand on their platform and they use it for the good of the people. I, I applaud that in every way, shape, or form. And for those people who might be experiencing what's going on with them, they normalize it. So not just I'm getting abused, but it looks like, oh, my God, LeBron James got abused as well, too. So, okay, so I'm not an evil person. Because that's what happens when you go into these situations with these people that have been abused or they've been traumatized. They believe that they deserve it because of whatever it is they did. They were born evil. They were this. They were that. When somebody uses their platform to say, no, no, you are okay. This happened to me. And, And we, you know, it is okay to say this happened and it is okay to go get help. They normalize it for those people who may be struggling, and I am 100% for that type of behavior. However, because everybody has an opinion, because everybody has, you know, um, uh, not everybody's going to agree, and of course, because some people are abusers, they're going to disagree, and there will always be lashback. It doesn't matter how how positive um, the speaker is or how positive the message is. It's not happy with it. And unfortunately, you're just going to have to overlook them and keep pushing forward and pushing the positive message because somebody needs to hear that. And I'm, I applaud anybody that uses their platform to do that. And, Tom, uh, speaking of someone's always going to have something to say, Tom, writes in and says he, he um, understands that Simone was abused in college by the college coach, but um, could this just be her just being tired? And, I, you know, I, but you can't really get into it. Uh, you can't get into a person's head. If she's saying she's mentally uh-huh. fatigued or stressed, isn't that what it is? That You got to take the person for what, you know, their word is bond. Yeah. Uh, anxiety infects everybody differently. Uh, it is. It is a... Ugly, ugly thing. And a little bit of self-disclosure, uh, I had a situation where one of my abusers attacked, you know, uh, contacted me the other day, and it did not affect me until two days afterwards, and my chest felt like it was ready to explode. Even though I know how to do my coping skills, and I'm very effective at it, and I'm very good at choosing happiness, it, uh, anxiety, stress, tension, trauma affects everybody differently. And I'm a pro at it. Not a pro. That's not true. We're not going to do that. But I have worked my coping skills to the point where I know when I'm okay and I know when I'm not. And so me me saying that, oh, my God, I feel this tension in my chest. And even I related it to one of the clients I was seeing at the time. Hey, let's breathe together because I'm having a hard time. We don't know what that girl is going through. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. We don't know exactly what's going on. We may she may see the bar and see her abuser. We don't know. Right. We may, she may do a flip and she may hear his voice or I don't know whatever the trainer there was, their voice in her head, and that might and, make and her falter. Yeah, and Yoni, she, I mean, for God's sake, she said she forgot where she was when she was in the air. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's. I mean, she could have injured herself drastically. Okay. So yes, a hundred percent. What you said. And even Um, if she was tired, doesn't she afford it? That. 
I know. That's the, I mean, she's given all, you know, all of her life and being abused, like you said, different. And, and then did, did she handled it. We don't know behind the scenes what she's going through. She's right. just telling you, hey, I need to take a break. It's bad timing for you sports fanatics, but, hey, I need to take a break for a minute. And that's, you know, that's her right as as her herself, her person. Um, so what are some of the signs to – um, to look for, I know you, this is sort of general, but if you can give some, some type of thing, you know, it's almost like when people, I, I had a, uh, you know, a family member that started off smoking cigarettes, then he went to marijuana, then he went to cocaine. Next thing you know, he's doing angel dust. So he graduated, right? So are there signs that you start off, you just tired all the time, you're sleeping. What are some of the signs that, um, you want to avoid so you won't get to, some place where it's very, you know, almost fatal for you? Um, so with general depression, absolutely, you want to look for, um, it's called hypersomnia. It's where you sleep a long time, like eight to nine hours, and you're still tired when you get up. That's one of the things. It's um, avoiding contact, isolating yourself. Like you have good friends, you just don't want to talk to them right now. Um, it is um, absolutely abusing um, substances, um, but sometimes you have to be careful with that one because if the person has addiction in their family, that can also be a heredity thing. Um, so definitely those are some warning signs to watch for. Um, everything seems like it's it doesn't matter. It's never going to turn out right. When you see somebody taking that type of attitude, you want to check in with them. Like you say, hey, well, we can go here. It'll be okay. No, they're probably going to mess it up. When they have that negative mindset, you want to check in with them. When they're oversleeping a lot and they're still not, you know, they're still not um, rested enough, then you definitely want to check in with them. Overeating and or not eating enough. It could be either one of those. Overeating, eating your emotions, that is definitely – a sign, a telltale sign of a of a depression, and also not eating enough. That's also a telltale sign of depression. So for anxiety, which is what a lot of us um, survivors suffer from, you want to watch for um, spiraling thoughts. Now, this is something that normally only the person can tell you that they're going through. Um, they will talk themselves into a frenzy. They will overthink, overworry, and it'll go into a circle. Um, their thoughts are start racing. They they can't even get a hold of one without thinking about something else. Everything is negative. Again, back to that. Um, let's see. Um, breaking out in sweats and they don't know why. Random triggers. Oof. Uh, there's a lot of things when it comes to anxiety. Anxiety is so tricky. And, and, and you talked about two, some of those. two two things. You talked about that kind of can be misconstrued, and and um, I want to you know, beleaguer it, but um, you mentioned with uh, the fact that if they have, um, they're abusing some form of substance, I told you about a family member or alcohol or whatever the case may be, um, mm -hmm. that that might be hereditary. So how do people decipher? I guess they need to see someone, a professional like yourself to determine that. And also, you know, sweats. Um, I know um, my sister went through menopause and she would, break out and sweats and stuff. So well, again, okay. so is that something you have to kind of look at that? <laughs> so the first thing when you're dealing with, when a therapist, when you go see a therapist, they're going to ask you, you know, medically, have you been checked out? 
if it's something that could be caused by, I mean, most of us have been very well versed in getting yourself checked out medically before you come see a therapist or come see a, or come see a psychiatrist, because we want to make sure we want to eliminate anything that might be, um, and like I said, this is not for you, and I always say this in my show, this is not for you to go diagnose anybody. Please do not be like, you guys depression. Don't do that, okay, because <laughs> you're going to end up in a fight. Uh, what you can do is say, hey, sis, I noticed that you're sleeping a lot and you're not eating anything and you don't ever go out anymore. Are you okay? Can I check in with you? What's been going on? How's you know? And and check in all around the. I call them. I, I call them hitting all the bases. What's going on in school? What's going on at work? What's going on with your family? What's going on with your relationships? What's going on with your friends? Hit all of the. You want to make sure you hit all of the bases so that you can hear everything and and you two together can decipher. Oh, okay. It sounds like you got you're having a hard time with this. Let's go talk to somebody or. I mean, there are, there are tons of wonderful things that you can do online. I, I do know that seeing a therapist is expensive, but there are things that you can you can go online and, and uh, see people. And also the Medicare Act was passed um, so that hopefully that there are people that are able to go see a therapist now. I, I, I do therapy over everything. I love therapy because you, you get to talk and you, you get to work out in your head how you can change the narrative about things that have happened in the past, and it makes you feel better about things. And that's why I love therapy. But I'm on the soapbox, so let me get off. Well, you always, every time you come on, and uh, myself included in the audience, we always feel good about ourselves when you leave. So I want you to take the time out to talk about your your practice and how people can reach out, your, your social media and your show. Of course, you, you have the floor. Take all, all the time you need. Okay. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I am a licensed um, master's of social work, and I have a show called A Dose of the Dime. And what we do is we talk about relationship issues. Like right now, uh, like tomorrow, we're going to wrap up on narcissists and gaslighting. So a lot of people are not quite sure exactly what that is. They've heard these $10 catchphrases. Oh, he's a narcissist. Oh, my God, this is toxic. Oh, they're gaslighting me. And I want to break it down so that if you are being gaslighted, you at least have these weapons in your arsenal so that you know what to do and that you can move forward. So my goal is to create better relationships for our people, um, for you, for, you know, and whoever else that you have are listening to us. So you can always reach me um, at www.thedjdime.com. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm also on Pinterest and Twitter. I don't do much on Twitter, but anyway. And I'm also on YouTube. But you guys can check me out. And, of, of course, every Friday at, uh, what is it, at 930 uh, Eastern Standard Time, I do a dose of the dime, but of course that is uh, 8.30 Central Standard Time. So you guys are welcome to come check me out. If you know, I do have a Facebook group that is open to the public. It is called A Dose of the Dime Radio Show. And on there, we just talk about relationships. And sometimes I will take from the post that we post, and I put it on a radio show. And I also go on live when I go on the radio, so you guys can see me while I, you know, chop this up. But if you guys ever have questions, comments, concerns, or you want to pose a topic, I'm open and receptive to it. So please hit me up. You got the numbers. Make it happen. Got to bring up the central time. You know, you just got to bring the central time, man. You know, know, Connecticut time. It's central central to the heart of the program, sir. (laughs) He wasn't ready. (laughs) 
She is a joy to have. What well, I tell you, she uh, um, just is it, her, her conversation is impactful, and she she definitely knows what she talks about. And and please do check out her her Facebook page, but also do check out the show uh, airs Friday mornings nine thirty Eastern time. A dose of the dime with Yanni, and um, uh, of course after. Locker Talk with, with Barry Barnes, and you can listen to the show at thebachelornews.airtime.pro or at uh, 646-929-0130. And, of course, on her Facebook uh, page, you can see her there live. Yoni, I appreciate you. Be careful. God bless. I will talk with you tomorrow morning. All right. Peace and blessings, people. Have a wonderful one, and be a blessing to somebody today. Absolutely. Sometimes we fall in
interested in advertising on the show or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. You might know me on 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. You must be your fairy godmother. In the classic fairy tale, Cinderella's dream comes true because the glass slipper fits. It fits. In our world, the right fit can be just as important. Good heavens, child. You can't go in there. Especially when it comes to car seats. Always choose a car seat that's the right fit for your child's age and size. Oh, that does make a difference. To make sure your little pumpkin gets there safely every time. How beautiful you. Thank you. Remember, you're responsible for protecting your children. Their happily ever afters are in your hands. <laughs> for even more information about choosing the right car seat, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. This message has been brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You mean my burning fire. You're getting to be my one desire. You're getting to be all that matters to me.
Welcome back to the show. I want to go to Gerald Hoover. Uh, Gerald Hoover is a best-selling author and uh, uh, certainly uh, does a, a phenomenal job. His My Hero series, and we'll talk about that. But uh, who I wanted to touch base with you and ask you in this COVID-19, there's two things going on. We'll start with the education side. As you're a professor, you're an author uh, of those series. You talk about um, not only bullying and mentoring, but education. I mean, being able to spell, being able to write a check i mean even if you don't write checks to learn how to to write signature things of that nature the basic things you know kids don't even know their home keys remember when we were kids we had the type mm-hmm. we knew the home key and all that but right now mm-hmm. in this this covid 19 and we're short on time so i want you to really get into it what are the pluses and minuses on online schooling I, in the beginning my kids were like you know what yeah this is cool we get to do it but now they're getting bored and they want to be around their friends so socially it's different but from an education Education learning standpoint, especially with black and brown uh, kids who are uh, not only uh, disadvantaged in some cases in neighborhoods, the books and all of those things. What's the pluses and minuses of learning online? Well, I'm gonna go with more of the. Well, I, it ain't that many pluses to me. Uh, um, I think it's more of the pluses that there's something happening as opposed to just being shut down and there's nothing happening at all. So at least there's something tangible that's being used. You know what I mean? Um, can it work? Yeah, I mean it can. But I, but like you just mentioned, that social, uh, if it, the, the social part of it is part of the the the, the, uh, the dynamic of being able to know how to get along with, with your teammates. Uh, um, uh, I call them teammates, with classmates, uh, knowing how to function, as opposed to everything being robotic, pressing a button, and and that's the one thing I fear. L.A. is that with my with my book, I have a curriculum, and my curriculum is a full charge curriculum where there's not a writing involved. And that's by design because, you know, studies show that your memory is enhanced by writing things down. Also, you use a certain part of the brain when you're writing as opposed to just touching a button. A button. You use a certain part of the brain when you're reading as opposed to just things being sent to you digitally. And I think that's the where, that's where that's, we're going to have a problem. Uh, again, the plus is that we're doing something, you know, so it's better nothing, but the, the the minuses are a lot. It's, it's a, and like you said, the, the, your, your your young men are getting bored. Um, it, it's a lot. And then what happens is the kids are so inundated with these video games. You know, everything is digitized. You know what I mean? So they could be playing Fortnite for four or five hours. Now all of a sudden you're slowing the pace. Now you're trying to tell them to teach. Now you're trying to tell them to learn that way. It's a lot. So so they have to reprogram themselves on even how to learn. As opposed to being away from the computer, you know, instead of being away from the computer and being instructed by a teacher or some sort in the front, in front of them, where she's able to, she, he or she's able to do things live, you know, and in person, so to speak, and sort of uh, have the um, option of learning things on the fly as well, doing things on the fly. You really can't do things too much like that when you're online. You have to, you know, you have to kind of robot yourself a little bit as well. So, but again, pluses is that they're doing something, minuses are a lot. And and what I fear is that our children won't get the benefit of really being promoted in a proper manner, meaning earning the promotion. Because right now, you really can't fail a kid. I mean, you can't. I mean, how can you? You know, I mean, how do you fail a kid that 
that uh, parents may be suffering from COVID, and it, you know what I mean. They and, them, themselves might have had it. And who? That's that's a really a great point because uh, if you have a marginal kid, a kid that's been struggling, um, it, it, it's probably not doing a great service for that child if you pass them because of the situation and the climate we are in. And even before mm-hmm. this, speak to because I think we had this conversation before about uh, using. You know, I, I'm, I have a real issue with kids using calculators for math. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and not mm-hmm. counting, not writing things out. Like you said, I tell my kids all the time, write it mm-hmm. down, take notes. I, they can go into my studio, my, my, my office, and see nothing but notes. And I try to tell them, not only mm-hmm. take good notes, but make sure you have organized notes. So when you come back to it, mm-hmm. you know what it is. You put your name, date, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and some, mm-hmm. I, I see some of the kids that don't do that, but I get, I have a real issue when they use sort of these electronic things or things mm-hmm. that take away from counting and reading and all of these things, mm-hmm. audio and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you an analogy because I, I know you'll, you'll catch it. Well, I'm going to give you a saying. I'm going to give you an analogy. You know that, that was saying, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So we, so we understand that part. But now picture a person. That's a couch potato, straight up couch potato, remote in his hand, and beer in the other hand, eating chips, doing this for years, watching TV, you know, the shape got different, what have you. Then you say, okay, I want you to get in shape, the best shape of your life within three weeks. But tonight we're going to start off with you running five miles. That person wouldn't. That person wouldn't walk good four blocks. I mean, five blocks really good without him like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. And that's the same thing that's happening with our babies' brains because they're not using that part of the brain like you just mentioned. The pre- all you're doing is pressing the button. You're not trying to figure things out in your head. You know what I mean? So you're not you're not exercising that part of the brain. And we know the brain is an organ, but it acts as a muscle. You might as well call it a muscle because it acts like a muscle. But if you don't use certain things to critically think, um, conceptualize things, figure things out in your head, ponder over stuff, if you don't use that kind of that part of the brain, when it's time to use it, you, please I mean, think about how many people. I guarantee you, at your audience, if you ask them, if you have read a book, enough, if you have, if you ask them if they have read a book or a long article in a long time, and they if they're gonna do it before they go to sleep, and say read the article, I guarantee you they fall asleep before they do it. Because that brain ain't ain't being used, so now you're gonna tell me read all this, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? At, within a certain period of time, that brain is over, it's, it's, it gets overloaded, and then all of a sudden it starts to shut down because you have to build it, you have to build it back up. And so this is what's happening in LA with too many with too many of our children because they're so used to pressing buttons, pressing buttons, pressing buttons from video games to learning that when you tell them to do certain things, either they can't do it, they don't want to do it, or they don't know how to do it. So guess what? It's not done. And my fear, I mean, I'm saying as I'm saying as a my, my my son is 29 years old, so I'm not, I'm I'm not a concerned parent for him, but I'm concerned parent for others. Because as an educator, every child that comes into your classroom or any class, any 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 of me when I go to schools, those children become my children, and I say it openly. I'm like for for the for the time being, I'm here. You belong to me, That's right. and I treat them as they're my children. And so my fear is that. Because they took penmanship out of schools, you know, so these, these kids don't know how to write cursively, nor can they read it. 
So, so I'll, I'll use the word script. They, not, not only can they not read the script, they can't, I mean, they can't write it. So they can't read it. So now you're telling the 18-year-old, 19-year-old, go register to do this, sign this application, go do this, and they say sign your name. He's writing in print. He's a she writing in print. And to be it or not, the way they write, they're not even writing online. I mean, in other words, you, you tell the kid to write in print on the line, they're writing in between the line. And they're writing, I mean, they, they're putting their name, like, uh, they're writing across the line because they don't have a concept of writing, bro. That is, like, scary. Yeah. And that's happening worse for our black and brown babies than it is for other ch- other children because other children, they, they, the ones that have the means to it, they're being taught how to write and script. Sure. So now, so education system, seems, they seem to have put that on the parents, which is not fair. Not, no, 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 when I say fair, because that's a basic requirement, writing. You know what I mean? That, that, should, that should be something that should be uh, uh, cataloged in schools to, on, on, and, and, and should be progressed in schools because L.A., that's how we learn. You know what I mean? Our timetables, we did that in school. Right. Our, our writing, our penmanship, you know, writing between the lines, our tracing. Of le- you know what I mean? We did that. We did that in school because although, it was part of our curriculum. Although I write like a doctor without the money, but I mean, sign. Like no, no, <laughs> hey, 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 me too. Hey, hey, here's the funny thing. Me too, and I'm ambidextrous with it. I can write with both hands. I'm left hand, right hand. I can do both, and I can write equally sloppy. So we're in the same boat. Yeah. I get that, but at the end of the day, my friend, we can read that. We well, and we can read some lots of sla- and we can read some lots of sloppy handwriting too because right. we're, we're accustomed to doing it. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, but, but again, our babies aren't getting that privilege, and and with that, they're gonna lose so much in this fake, illusion-filled digital-based world right. because it's, it's really an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion, bro. It's yeah. an illusion. Talking these, with these the, smartphones have made made us dumb. Talking with uh, Gerald Hoover, best-selling author of My Friend, My Hero, a book targeting young black and brown boys ages twelve up and up here on the Bachelor News Radio Show, Bachelor News Radio Network, and WCOM, Chapel Hill, and Carborough, uh, uh, North Carolina. And we'll get to the, the book series and info there. Um, really sort of the final uh, phase, and I know you said there's the positives because they're doing something. But again, um, the concern I have is that even before the virus, even before they had to go online, and some are going back to school in certain places, and I mean... You can get into if it's safe or not. That's a whole different discussion for another day. Um, but the fact is that, you know, it, kids, even before the virus, and I, and I have to, again, I challenge mine all the time, um, it, it, They work is not, it, I wouldn't say it was necessarily fun for us, but, mm-hmm. you know, we knew we had to do that, and we knew at the end of the day it was going to make us better. Even sometimes we mm-hmm. didn't feel like going to school. I tried to play hooky. My mother found out all the time, but I had to do what I had mm-hmm. to do. And it didn't seem mm-hmm. as forced on us as it is with kids. Kids are like, okay, if you, you do this, you can play this, or you can go outside. And they push and they zooming through it. But at the same time, you want to tell them, no, take your time, because a lot of teachers say take your time, read the, read the questions, you know, when you're taking a test. And it seems like the ki- these kids, our kids, are trying to zoom through a lot of the the work, and they don't seem to get it. It's more robotic than mm-hmm. consumption and understanding and comprehending it. You 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 buy mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, that's the fear. And, 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 and matter of fact, you said it 
eloquently, but you basically repeated what I was saying and the way I said it. When, these, when our babies get a certain age, they're not going to be able to function other than doing what they've known. It's almost like putting a, you know, you know they put the uh, blinds on horses, run that straight, run a straight line. They won't know how to do anything else. But oh, it's not, it's not set in stone this way. They won't be able to do it. And that's where too many of our child, children are going to fail. That's where they're going to fail because they won't have options on how to do things any other way. And that's going to, that, and that's a criminal act, if you ask me. It's a criminal act. It's written because, and that's why I said fake, illusional, filled world, because you'll say, oh, no, he got a so-and-so on his test. But, yeah, he was pressing a button that you helped him press because you're trying to get that funding because the state mandated so-and-so and so-and-so, which the state has no, they have no clue what's going on on the ground. They're a bunch of bean counters and doing whatever they're doing. They have no clue or concept of what is done on the educational level, none. Because if they did, or if their children was in the belly of the beast, they wouldn't have that kind of they wouldn't have that kind of outlook. And just to interrupt too, if they if our kids aren't learning, again, post uh, pre and post COVID nineteen, they're ready to mm-hmm. put them ready to put them on meds, you know, Ritalin and whatever, oh my it, it's whatever. Man, um, and, and, and that's an and, issue. And, 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 and bro, and, and LA, I was I believe it not pre COVID. As a matter of fact, you we've had discussion about my book before COVID. Pre-COVID, well, I started my curriculum two years ago. I mean, like getting it in stone. So I, I told, I'm, I'm well ahead of the COVID part. I was yelling and screaming about in 25 years, if we're not careful, that we're going to have an educational apocalypse. I was saying this for about two years now. Now it's probably going to be closer than that. Because we're going to lose two and a half years. Okay, this way. For every child I was already behind, tack on two more years. They don't go. They're not going to fail a kid. They're going to promote them socially. But think about the average 10th grader that's ready for college, getting ready for college in two years. They're going to be functioning on a sixth-grade reading level or sixth-grade sixth grade work level. So, so that so, means when they graduate high school, and graduate, go to college. They're gonna, they're gonna. It's gonna be a very, a real challenge. So real, real quick, because we're running out of time. Um, what would be some of the solutions you have? You know, right now with COVID and, and moving forward. And please do uh, let people know how they can get my friend, my hero. Talk about the book and, and where they can find it. Sure. Well, I, I'll, I'll do that first because it's fresh in my head. Uh, my, my website is called The Hero Book Series. Right, TheHeroBookSeries.com. Um, for those that are educators or they want to uh, do some homeschool and help, help them enhance, you can order my book, and I will even let you know how to get the curriculum to go with it. Now, the curriculum uh, it has a study a study guide, which you have to write, read, uh, do some uh, uh, research to learn how to do words, how to put words together, context clues. I mean, it's, it's, it was the same thing would happen in the school. Also have a teacher's edition. To where you have the answers. So for you parents that have young children, okay, Johnny, do this, do this, do this. You as a parent, whether you've been to school lately or not, it's okay. You have the teacher's guide. You have the answers to the sentences. You have the answers to the, the, the multiple choice stuff. You have the you have all the answers. I even have a pretest. So you can say, here, Johnny, take this and let me see how you can do with that. Then I have what's called a unit assessment, and I have answers for that as well. So you have a Student Success Guide, you have a Teacher's Edition, and you have a Unit Assessment. So you have all those, and you're good. What I would suggest, put a physical book in your child's hand. E-learning is fine. I, my book is on tape now. It's coming out in about a month. 
I ate them ebooks, which okay, I, I'm not really for them, but I know people. I don't want to read it like that. That's fine. But put a physical book in your hand. The five senses that we're blessed with are given to us for a reason. Putting a physical book in your hand speaks volumes to the mental, soul, mind, and body. There's a lot of and go on YouTube and research. Touch how the effects are of touching a book. Google that. Touch it. Touching a book. Wow. How powerful. You start that your knowledge starts to your your knowledge starts L A with just touching the book. It's powerful. I I, I just saw that I just saw something like that the other day. And it's funny because I've been thinking about it. Because you know you know I'll give you an example. Let me let me say this really quick. I'm going show it on time. In the in the in the Bible. I'm, I'm sorry. In, in church, people have told me. I remember old ministers were telling me. I would say, well, Elder So and So, what do I learn? What do I read in the Bible? What should, what should I do? They, they, you know they would tell me. Say a prayer. Put your hand on top of the Bible and just open it. Meaning I heard that meaning, before. You'll find it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, Ellie, Ellie, You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. You know. I'm going. There was something powerful about putting your mind right with it, coming, becoming one with the story that you're about to read, and then opening the book deep with that. That's deep. And, and so we keep giving these books, these, 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 these digital books and everything. You ain't helping these kids. Put a book in your hand. Put a physical book. The five senses are, are given to us for a reason. That's if right. you dummy us out with that, we ain't going to have them, buddy. We're gonna be ro- people are going to be robots. That's right. It's not going to work for us. Yeah. It's not going to work for us, bro. And the learning is, is robotic at this point because of that. Come on, man. Yeah, you're right. Come on, you're absolutely man. Absolutely right. On, man. Yeah. Well, we, well, we're we gonna, can't afford that, bro. We can't. We can't. And you talk about apocalypse. Oh, my God. You, you, <sighs> Come you, on, being, you, you get your Negro Domus points because you have been talking about this for quite some time. So uh, I know that for a fact. Hoove, I love you, man. Appreciate you. Be safe. Uh, I'll talk too, with you very, very soon. We'll get you on next week and talk some you, more about this, okay? My pleasure, my brother. Take Be care. safe, man. All right, man. Now, your favorite music apps are available on Contour. Go from watching a musical to listening to your favorite music. Enjoy a country western and then a country jam. Or go from action flicks to something that makes you feel like an action hero. Now with Contour from Cox. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show, the Bastard News Radio Show on WCOM in Chapel Hill. Uh, the Bastard News Radio Network, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment. You can see it on Amazon and Firestick uh, at Roku and WCLM as well. We thank all of our guests that come on. I'm going to go back to the phones, bring in two of my favorites. Have been M- MIA for a minute, but always good to have these brothers on. We do our... our um, our uh, brothers at the round table to talk some um, sports and delve into some sports. Of course, from uh, BASN Newsroom, the uh, editor-in-chief there, Tony T. Mac McLean, and, of course, Orlando Hughes. He is the uh, owner and play-by-play voice of KRSB Radio in Philly. And, and brothers, I appreciate you all coming on. It's been a minute, but, but thank you for your time. Of a dog. What's up, LA? What's going on, T Mac? How are you? What's guys? going on? Hey, listen, real quick, Orlando. I thought about you when I saw Carson Wentz got hurt um, and the whole situation in Philly. Uh, and, and I'm gonna we're gonna come back to to our Sixers in a minute and get some thoughts. But really, I, I want to just go, real quick. We do rapid fire, so we won't so we get everything in on uh, time here. Uh, first thing, real quick, no surprise, 
uh, about Simone Biles and, and the fact that she took a mental break and she being a person of color, she being a woman, of course, you had a negative talk, but she did have some positive at the end of the day. Um, I, I'll start with you, T. How much does the, the sports voice, uh, especially with social media, you look at a guy like LeBron, he just comes out with all kinds of stuff to say, and all the millions of people follow him on Twitter and everything else. How much of the voice, especially when it's something as, as um, you know, a focused as a mental stress or illness, uh, really makes an impact in, in mainstream society? Well, you know, it's, you know, it's cliche, but it must be said, you know, sports is a reflection of life. And what we saw, you know, what we saw play out with Simone uh, plays out with probably more of these athletes than we think. It's, it's, um, I think there are other, you know, through all the stories that were uh, talked about with her, to no surprise, unfortunately, they missed the main point, I feel, uh, was the, um, the whole situation with her and, uh, the former U.S. Uh, gymnastics coach Larry Nasser, who was sexually abusing a bunch of his athletes, including Miss Biles, and That's right. you know she was right up there in the forefront, um, involved in that. And don't think that that hasn't been a factor over the years. Now she's been able to overcome that, but you know there are times when it just becomes a little too. Overwhelming. I, I think I think it happens more than we know. It's just that in this instance, where we saw with 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 uh, Simone and we saw with uh, Naomi Osaka earlier this year, they just said, you know what, I'm taking a break because of me. Now, I guess the only thing we could sort of compare it to, to a certain extent, for for a lot of people, was when Dick Vermeil um, quit. As the well, uh, quit as the uh, Eagles coach back in the I think like the early '80s, and he basically right. said he was burnt out, and people were sort of like, okay, no problem. But see, again, um, when a white guy does it, it's it's sort of like, oh, okay, you know, we we can be sympathetic to that. But if it's a if it's a black person, whether they be female or um, male, people got a problem with it because you know you're not supposed to take any time off. You're supposed to be able to deal with what we throw at you. And, and, you know, you, you know, you're, 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 you know, they, they just look at, you know, they don't, they don't look at us as human beings or what have you. And again, that's reflect of non-sports folks as well, because they don't see us as human in a lot of instances. They see us as their entertainment. They see us as, uh, they look at us as subservient. So whenever, they don't perform in a sense to their liking, they're going to have a problem with it. And when you throw in all the uh, fake jingoism and everything else that goes with the Olympics, it, it, you know, it just become, you know, it becomes a firestorm. Yeah. And, and to Tony's point, Orlando, you know, Laura Ingram of that Fox channel said, told uh, LeBron just dribble the damn ball. To Tony's point, like, no, these sports uh, people to see it through a lens didn't see it. She was like, Tony pointed out eloquently that she was already abused in college by um, Nasser. And then, you know, she, she put herself on the line even after that. So she was being not only uh, take care of herself. The woman says she forgot she was in the air flipping 
that's a, a hello. If you're in the air and you forgot that you're in the air, that you need to take a break, right? But that don't mean you're going to go out and shoot everybody else, uh, you know, and do something. You need a break. You need to talk to you. You're stressed out. Like Tony said, Dick Vermeil did it. Oh, good good for him. I applaud him and all that. Um, but not only that, she's being selfless by telling her team, I can't help you right now. I ain't, I'm not focused. So y'all do it to the best of your ability, and maybe I'll come back. Of course she did, but I just thought – you know, it's just really ridiculous. No, no, it's very ridiculous. Um, and you were talking to who just about, you know, what the pandemic has done. So these are athletes that train for years for virtually, what, a 60-second show or a two-minute show if they're dancing on the floor or a five-second pole vault. Um, so the mental capacity of both Simone, uh, Naomi, um, I applaud them for that. And for those who don't want change and is not accepting of what that generation is trying to do and say, and Simone is no – she's amateur by by the Olympic rules, but she's not new to this. So I applaud her. I can care less about what Laura Ingram says or any of the, the a-holes on Fox or, or MSNBC or, or uh, to steal a cliche from Tony, the mouse, uh, have to say about it. You know, right. that's, that's her right. And, and you're, 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 you're correct in saying to be able to stand up to your team and tell your team that I can't provide for the team that's the hardest feeling. I, I, I had this conversation with someone I'm very close to, and the opinion that that person had was like, well, if she knew she wasn't there, she's robbing someone of an opportunity to be in the Olympics. No, she's there because she's still the best at what she does. But she had no focus. Serena had to take a step away. Venus took a step away. All of, all of these people take steps away from the game because – the level that the level that they function on is part of a one percentile of athletes. We're all athletes, you know. Back in the day, I could hit a couple of shots, but I, I don't function on the level of a Hall of Fame football player or something like that. So, you know, I say that, you know, I'm always to hell with people. You can't talk how it is to live in somebody else's shoes. Only you walk in your own shoes. Right, and then you know, to the person your your friend has said that. I mean, yeah, she just I guess she she plotted to take the space of somebody else. First of all, she's a, the, the best in the world, so she's not who's going to take her spot. But yeah, she plotted to let them take her spot, uh, and then all by all of a sudden decided, well, you know what, I want to. I mean, again, like you said, and a lot of us would say, nobody can be in her head or any of our heads of uh, what we go through. On a regular, imagine what we do on a on a local, on a smaller level, and we go through stress. We wearing stuff that multiple hats and things on our shoulders. Imagine what she's going through, and with and throw in the millions of people for and against the social media on her. That just add all that in. It just 
I just thought it was really ridiculous, but uh, big ups to her, doing her thing. She's still the greatest in my book, and I, I wish her well. Uh, I want to switch gears to the NBA. Go back to UT first. Winners and losers. Before you kind of give me a couple of teams you thought were winners and losers in in free agency, I I, I would what I would think that you're pretty excited um, about your Knicks. Uh, and the fact that they kept everybody in place, uh, including Randall, and they bring in Fournier, they they keep Rose, they bring in Noel, keep Burks, they got Gibson resigned, and then they bring in Kimba. You know, he's a hometown favorite anyway. When you look at this roster, obviously, again, nobody's saying the Knicks are going to be in the you know an NBA final, but I think the maturity of this administration and this front office, uh, and how they're handling the players now, I think this is a, a, it's a an extreme step in the right direction. Again, bringing in Kimba is a, is a good move for them. Well, I wanted Kimba two years ago. So this right, is, you know, this, yep. this, you know uh, uh, but all that being said, though, you know, they still have all this cap room. So, and, and, Bringing back the same team is somewhat okay, but I was kind of hoping that they was going to add a little bit more. I still think I'm still hoping that at some point they do add more um, because I think when you see what Miami is doing, uh, when when you see what other teams in the East and in the West are doing, there's still, there's still a lot more that need that. That's still a lot more that needs to be done. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat pleased, but I, I, you know, I know, you know, there's been the 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 the, the Dame Lillard um, rumors have been out there for a while, and I keep going back and forth, you know, you know, as to whether he's going to be the guy, and also with uh, you know Leonard turning down an extension from the uh, Clippers, you know, there's, there's 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 always the possibility, you know, with him there, but. I'm going to just right now, I'm just going to be like, it's okay, but yeah, I'd like to see them do a little bit more right now. But a couple of points, too, T, though. One, you're right. Um, they do have a lot of cap space, um, number one. Number two, I'm glad they didn't get to get into the Westbrook thing, and, and I'm glad Philly didn't. I'm going to get to Orlando on that, too, because there was rumors about him trying to go there and all this other stuff. Uh, three, Lillard is still out there. Um and four, I mean, Milwaukee's going to be Milwaukee. You see the, the Nets are rebuilding their roster, so they'll be there. I don't know what the Celtics doing. They got Cantor, and that's it. Um, so, I mean, the Knicks add a few more pieces. You know, again, I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're the elite team in the East, but I, if they add more pieces, and, and, and smart decisions really, to me, is the moral of the story for them then I think they're heading in the right direction. You can look at them as in Atlanta, the team they, they lost to, and they, they really didn't do anything but re-sign Trey Young and and, and uh, Collins. But, you know, it's the sky's the limit at this point, especially with the cap space. Well, yeah, and, and see, you know, Atlanta just, you know, basically kept their kept their nucleus. I mean, remember, they were, you know, they got, you know, they got to the Eastern Conference semifinals, so – they wanted to, you know, they 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 did what I, you know, they uh, made sure that Young wasn't going to be plucked out of the air and 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 Collins. So I think they, you know, 
I think they did fine. Like I said, I just just me as a Knicks fan, I just I was ex- I'm still sort of expecting a little bit more. Now I don't want to just just bring somebody in for the sake of bringing somebody in, but it's just the main thing is to just keep the momentum. Just 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 you know to keep moving forward. You know it would be it would be silly for them to have the breakthrough and then not make the playoffs and and literally and in a sense take a step backwards. That's the only thing. I, that's the only the, thing I feel. What about the two finals teams in terms of a grade you give them in, in Milwaukee and Phoenix? Obviously, Phoenix, listen, I'm a Chris Paul fan, not just because he's a Wake Forest guy, not just because he went back to an HBCU uh, school once in Salem State, but he's an all-around great guy and a great player. So anywhere he's gone, it's been the Midas touch, as we've seen in his career. Uh, so what about Phoenix and Milwaukee? They didn't do a lot, but where do you see them in terms of where they are uh, going into next season? Well, to be quite honest, and you know, if everything goes as is, it wouldn't surprise me if they got back to the finals again. I think it might be a little, you know, maybe – it might be a little rougher for Phoenix because, you know, the West is getting better. I think people are sort of sleeping on their Warriors, you know, when they do get Thompson back and you see the growth right. of, uh, of, of Wiseman. Uh, at, at some point, Utah is going to break through, I think, uh, at, at, at some point. And uh, Milwaukee, you just, you know, Milwaukee is just going to be a matter of will they, you know, will they, you know, the whole thing of repeating is you know especially in the NBA is always tough. They'll still be in the mix, um, but yeah, I think at least on the surface, they're still the two teams to beat right now. Maybe Milwaukee more so than Phoenix. Yeah, and I I think um, as I, I I go to Orlando, you know the the Los Angeles Fakers got a lot of old dudes and they got a lot of pieces. I love Carmelo and he still can knock down shots. He probably is, you know, in terms of all the old dudes, is probably going to be their best perimeter shooter. When you look at that, I mean, they bring in Ariza. Ariza two years, three years ago might have been more impactful, I think. You know, and they, they bring in Ellington, bring Ellington back in and, you know, Dwight Howard who played at Philly. I don't know about the Lakers, but when you look at uh, – you could comment on them, but when you look at Philly, okay, we let Howard go, we bring in the Drummond, and there's some questions about, hey, can Drummond and, and Embiid kind of coexist, you know, in their personalities or whatever. Um, I, I like bringing Danny Green back, you know, um, to, to give him that experience, and, and that can make some shots in games, especially in the playoffs. But they, like Tony saying the Knicks, I think they need to make moves. You're in Philly. You know how I feel about Ben Simmons. We is chronicled on this broadcast. You know that I said if he's not going to improve his shot game, if he's not going to be, he can't go zero in the playoffs in the fourth quarter, Orlando. You know, Big O. He can't do that, and the rumors are he won't be back. He hasn't really put the effort in. You're there. Will he be back? Where Are they going to add? Are they looking at Lillard seriously? What's going on in Philly, and what kind of grades would you give the, the you know teams like the Lakers and, and some of the other top teams? Well, I give the Lakers an A for manipulating the cap. They had no cap room, and to sign as many people as they signed, um, that was amazing. You know, whether you're a Laker hater or not, Laker fan, you got to give credit what credit's due. So, Palika did his job out in L.A. Uh, with Jeannie Buss. 
Um, as re- as it relates to the Sixers, here it is. Ben Simmons will be gone. He will not be a 76er by the trade deadline. Now, there's a slight possibility that he may be back to start the season, but the Sixers, they're working on Dane. This is just my opinion here because I'm going to go way off the rails. I think the Sixers are trying to trade Tobias for Kawhi. So they will get rid of Ben, and they will get rid of uh, Tobias Harris, and you will see Lillard and Kawhi with the Sixers. Now, the sad thing with, with this trade, we're going to either lose Maxi or we're going to lose Thibel in this exchange for Dave. But Ben Simmons has cut off all communications with the Sixers organization. He does not want to be back. Um the city's on him as it should be because this is a team with the best record over the last three years in all of the NBA. Only Utah uh, uh, can compare to them. And for them to lose three games in one series, one game when you were up by 26 points, and Ben basically, you know, has a, you know, it is what it is attitude, that doesn't work in this city. That doesn't work once you pass D.C., that doesn't work in Philly. Doesn't work in Brooklyn, New York, or Boston. You may you may be able to get away with that in Orlando or, or New Orleans, but you damn sure can't say that in Philadelphia. So he'll be gone. He'll be gone. I, I love what the Sixers did. But that, let me that, Orlando. Jordan let me uh, yeah. Orlando. Let me just ask you real quick because this is our Sixers. And I don't want to beleaguer, but I do want to ask because if you're going to give up those guys to get Lillard. And I like the inside-outside thing that can happen. I do like Drummond coming in. Um, I think he, you know, he's a younger version of Dwight Howard. And so I like I like that move. But do you want to end up like the Lakers where they, I mean, the Brooklyn, where they kind of depleted the roster. Now they're trying to get everything back. For Lillard, they, Lillard's a great shooter. He's a awesome, I mean, dead, you know, dead Dead to red type shooter. He can shoot from anywhere on the court. But is that going to be too much to be given up for this guy? No. I mean, listen, you, you got to give something to get something. So you're giving up a 24 year old Ben Simmons, who I still think has potential. But he never embraced Philadelphia. And the way that he's acting uh, since this playoff devastation has happened, I like, I've I rarely turned on sports. That whatever was it, early June, uh, whenever that was that it happened. I know they messed up messed up my family trip to Puerto Rico, uh, losing all of those games. Um, ben Ben Simmons never showed that he was apologetic towards the fans. Joel Embiid said, "I'm sorry." He did what Doc said. We owe you one. We'll get it back. That was the window. Um, I think Milwaukee will still be good, but Milwaukee lost P.J. Tucker, and that's going to cripple them. I still don't think it's moves to be made on the trade deadline once the season starts and you'll see these teams ramp up. Um, but for the Sixers, I think they'll be fine. Doc Rivers can't come back and coach another series like he did. Having Danny Green back is one thing. Um, I really like our young players. The Sixers haven't had young players in a minute. They've always been trying to trade, trade, trade. I like Maxie. If he doesn't go, I, I walk him back. 
I told you this kid, Isaiah Joe from Arkansas, is the truth. Um, and, you know, we're going to be different because we won't be as good defensively. But you bring in Drummond, and as you mentioned, he's a younger Dwight, so he's still energetic to be there. Um, that backs up and be. But you need to unlock Joel right now to be a Sixers fan, honestly. Without Ben, Joel becomes a different type of player. And this is somebody that should have been the MVP last year. So if he has a real point guard with him, just imagine how good his game's going to be. So. Hello? And I mean, if you want to continue. Yeah, I'm here, L.A. L.A., are you here? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm, I'm here. Uh, Tony, uh, let me ask you this because we're all, all Eastern Conference guys, and when you, you look at the, the, the East, I mean, the Bulls getting the Rose in the uh, a nice move, but you don't expect much from them. As, as you mentioned with Atlanta, you know, uh, re- uh, extending Trey Young, uh, bringing back uh, John Collins. Everybody was after Collins, so that was a good move for them. But, but it, you know, is there anybody – is it still Memphis – I mean, uh, Milwaukee's to lose, or is, is is Brooklyn the team to beat? They just didn't win because they didn't have um, the horses uh, due to injury. And then, uh, Lando, same question. Well, I, the one team I think people are sort of sleeping on, I think, is Miami. I, I, I you know, they, I know they sort of went small. Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic about Milwaukee than than uh, than, uh, than O is, but um, I think Miami is somebody you have to you know look out for. I know that you know they they sort of came out of nowhere last year, but you know that was the bubble and you know, almost. I don't want to say it was a mirage, but it's just it, 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 it. Let's put it this way: I think they are a little bit better now than they were when they when they you know made the run during the bubble. But um, yeah, it's it's yeah to to an extent, I guess it's Milwaukee's. I just my thing with the Nets was always it was never about the quote unquote big three. It was always about Nash because. You know, right. he was a, you know he's a neo, he was a neophyte as a as a head coach, and there were instances this year, and you know you could make the argument if you had a more experienced coach, injuries even with the injuries, do you lose a game seven at home like that if you have an experienced coach? Now, let's face it, we've all we've all we've all have had our whatevers with uh, Budenholzer, but he's sitting with the ring now. Right, and that's a great point because uh, he's been accused, Orlando, of not making adjustments within the game, especially sort of almost being stubborn with it. Um, But as Tony said, he does have the ring. And you look at Miami, Orlando, I mean, Kyle Lowry coming in, that's big. That's what they wanted. You know, Butler got his max deal so he could just kind of focus in on the game. As you mentioned, P.J. Tucker comes there. Oladipo signed, albeit a year, but he signed for another year. And, you know, they bring in, a, a, I believe it's, it's done, and, and McKeith Morris. I think that gives them a perimeter guy who can rebound and shoot the, the ball. Tony's right. I mean, they they and the Lakers made the most moves um, in this free agency. So when you look at the East, 
you know, Philly, like I said about the Knicks, I'm hoping, I don't know, you know better the cap space and, and the trade value. I'm hoping they do more than just an Andre Drummond. And I'm hoping, and you're right, but I'm hoping somehow they can get creative like the the the, uh, the Lakers did and, and hopefully keep the bias at the very least. Um, I don't want to see a deal where Drogic from Miami's got to go to Toronto just to get Lowry. Drogic is a big guy. You know, he was a big uh, part of what the Heat did, but they had to give him up. Well, I don't really want to see it, but maybe I'm just being, you know, naive and unrealistic. Look, what Miami did and Pat Riley uh, executed, um, <clears throat> that's the team that Pat Riley created the 2022 version of his 90 Knicks. You got Kyle, you have Jimmy, you have P.J. Tucker, and you got Marquise Morris, and bam. So the Heat will be physical. They'll be intimidating. Um, I think they're on paper right now, the three seed behind Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I think our sixes are fourth as it stands right now. Um, I do question whether or not Kyle can play for Spolster. Um, there'll be some kickback and feedback for that. Um, but I, I, I say hats off to them and what they've done. To me, and I know we talk about the East, I love what, what Golden State has done. Um, and T-Mac opened up the segment talking about them. People were sleeping on them by getting believers and getting out of Porter. Um, I, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see the the Warriors seriously uh, make a run this year um, at it. But back to Miami, yeah. I, 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 yeah. hats off to what Miami did. You know, hats off. Yeah, and it's just to the, to the, the Lakers, everybody, you the, the Lakers are the A rod of of, of the the, uh, the NBA right now. You either love them or like them, and even with this move. I love Carmelo. I'm a big Carmelo guy. Just on and off the court. I'm just a big Carmelo dude. Gets to play with LeBron. I don't understand how it, 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 either LeBron's the point or or Westbrook's got Both of them have to have the ball to, to create and whatever. Not about points, but whatever. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't get those moves that they made. I, I like the Ellington, bring him back, and maybe Trevor Reese or some of those guys – Days morning. I, I like those moves, but I don't understand what they're really trying to do, especially, T, when you look at AD, even when he was healthy, didn't play well. He didn't play, he didn't play like he was two years ago. He struggled when he was in the game. And, and I said on this program to all of you before, this team with LeBron and AD is going to go as long as AD goes. He healthy and playing at the top of the level. As great as LeBron could be, he's still playing at the MVP level. This team is going to go as good as he can be. If, they, if he struggles, they're going to struggle. And so my concern, if I'm a Laker fan, which I'm not, is if LeBron's going to get hurt again, AD gets hurt, and how you mesh all them, you know, geriatric-type dudes, you know, and in terms of sports, right? Um, to mess them all together to make it work, I, I just don't. I don't know. My first, my first thought is, for this to work, for this to really be successful, you're gonna have to get 
65 to 70 games out of the quote-unquote big three, Westbrook, Davis, and, um, and, Le- and LeBron. Uh, I don't think LeBron will have a hard time taking a quote-unquote step back because he, again, um, you know, again, I've said this before and I'll say it again, he's more magic than Jordan. So he's used to getting the ball to other folks. I don't think that'll be a problem for him, especially now that he's gotten older. Now, will he take over in certain games in the fourth quarter? Sure, of course. But the thing is, now everything isn't on him because, and we saw this more this year than we did last year, where it was, it was you know, get the ball to LeBron, and, and that that's how the Lakers would, you know, do well, especially during the time when Davis was out. Um, the fact that they had to give up Kuzma and Caldwell Pope, that may come back to bite them down the road because I, I think those were your building. You know, if they were looking to make this a long-term thing for them down the road, you just you just gave away a couple of your building blocks. And, you know, you had to keep at least one of them. I mean, I, I was very surprised and, and – to be honest with you, uh, Washington, if they get this right, could be – I'm not saying they'll win the Eastern Conference, but I think Washington is definitely uh, moving up the needles there. And, and, and I think it was a clear – I think it was a clear message to Bradley Beal saying, okay, we're building this around you. But, but yeah, the, 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 for, for that to work in L.A., the big three are going to have to play 65 to 70 games. And I know they're going to try to do a lot of load management during the year and all the other stuff, and that's fine. But the thing is, you don't want to be, you know, on the job training in, you know, March and April when you're fighting for a playoff spot, especially when on the surface you're not even going to be a top three or top four seed at this point in time right now. Yeah, and, and Orlando, Tony's right. When you think about it, LeBron can still be MVP or in that conversation, but I think he's spot on when he says that LeBron's going to take – he could take a step back and do his thing fourth quarter, regular season, fourth quarter playoffs. He could take over if he wants to, but he could take the – but my concern is Westbrook and how his style of play – um, with the motor, because he is, when you look at it, <laughs> for the most part, in the starting lineup especially, is going to be like the young dude. Like, he's the youngest dude. So that energy and the way he plays, his style of play, is it going to match up with how the Lakers try to do things? And AD, by the way, has something to prove. He wants to make sure that he says, okay, the naysayers, you know, I was hurt, um, but I'll be back. And then, by the way, people make this this uh, argument about how, you know, people are picking on the Lakers, these Laker lovers, and that's okay. That's fine. But, you know, facts are facts. Anthony Davis, as great as he is, I've been saying it since he came to the league, when he played at Kentucky, the guy can play, but he cannot stay healthy. That's a fact. Just look at the numbers. It's It's a total fact. Um, so it, it, it's just, it's a matter of how it mesh. It kind of reminds me of a, a weird, a different version of, uh, the Buccaneers, you know, of course they got a lot of breaks, but they meshed at the end and they got it right with all the superstars. If that can happen, Orlando. 
Uh, you put a lot of ifs in that. I'm not a fan <laughs> of Anthony Davis. I've never been a fan of Anthony Davis. Um, I thought that he could have done more uh, with the Pelicans um, as the focal point down there with Drew Holiday and Boogie Cousins. Um, I, I felt that he really left the people of Louisiana, in particular the, the fans of New Orleans, um, he left them short, and they're still searching for something. Um, LeBron, we talked about this two years ago. LeBron has now began the biggest challenge of his life, and that's battling time. So we've seen him injured now a couple of seasons in a row. Um, Russell Westbrook, Russ is going to do his thing. LeBron has to change his game, and he hit a key component for them. Caldwell Pope is going to be missed. You bring in, you know, even though he's a Philly guy, you bring in Wayne. Uh, I thought the signing of Kendrick Nunn was nice for them. Kent Bazemore um, is probably like one of these little trashy airplanes that I'm looking at now at the FBO. Um, uh He's a cheap Hyundai, if that. Not even a Hyundai. Hyundai's actually good cars. Uh, he, he's garbage. I don't like him. Uh, re-signing of the White could help, but we're gonna go. Marcus Saul. Um, what, what are you What are you really getting? And I I don't think that they're the best team. I think the best team out west is still Phoenix, then followed by Utah. Uh, then I would go Golden State, then the Lakers. I think they're the fourth best team. I I agree with so, you. I think that Phoenix keeping their core uh, really helps. It's gonna be interesting. Um, to Tony's point with Utah, they gotta you know you know what or get off the pot uh, at some point. Let's see if they can do that. Um, and the Clippers, again, on paper, you look at the Clippers, and it's interesting to see what the Kawhi is going to do. We know that, um, you know, uh, Chris Paul opted out of his his uh, deal to get a, a different deal to stay in Phoenix. Let's we'll see what happens with Kawhi. One switch gears real quick um, to uh, baseball and the, the trades that took place there. Tony, again, when you look at all the – all the top teams that made deals, obviously, um, uh, Yankees get Rizzo and Gallo, but I was looking for pitching, and uh, Rizzo certainly has hit the ball. Gallo's done some things, but they're still on the outside looking in, need pitching. Uh, the Mets have really helped themselves and Baez and, and other guys. And you you look at what the Do- the Dodgers are like, like they're the the Yankees of the West. There, they're the, the the Lakers. Like it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, they get Scherzer. They already got all that talent. And by the way, that just just speaks to the, the credit of the Giants of playing lights out all year. But when you look at all the moves that have been made from the contenders, Philly obviously a game and a half behind your Mets, Yankees behind. Half, way half a game. Behind. It'll be half, half a game now, I think, because they yeah. think they, I think they beat Washington. So. 
and and okay. and, uh, and and they and and the Mets Mets literally and figuratively limp into Philly this weekend after leaving 150 guys on base against the Marlins. Well, it, it, so you, you're still up going into this pivotal matchup with Philly. Obviously, you'll see them again. And then, of course, uh, the Yankees, uh, you look at the Oakland, they're still behind them. When you look at the the leaders, the White Sox, Houston, you know, uh, obviously the Giants we mentioned. And, by the way, uh, nobody's really – to me, because it's East Coast bias, talk about the Brewers and the type of year they have, although they had two big devastating injuries. Um, talk about these, these moves and some of the winners and losers in these trades. Well, the, you know, the best move may have been the Giants getting um, Bryant because, number one, they didn't have to give up a lot for him. He gives them another bat in that lineup and also – he can play everywhere. You know, I was watching the other night. He was playing second base. Now, he also can play in the outfield as well. Uh, you know, the Giants are, are that team that, that you know, every, we knew that there was going to be at least one team that was going to, quote, unquote, come out of nowhere to, you know, do something. And clearly them, and I guess you could make an argument for the Red Sox as well. But, um, yeah, the, the Giants are a testament to pitching and defense and they were getting – I mean, the offense has been okay. You know, Posey taking the year off has probably been the best thing that could ever happen to them. But then you add Bryant to that mix, and, you know, look, I think I think the Dodgers were sort of paying homage to the Giants by going out and getting uh, uh, getting, getting Scherzer and Turner. Great point. So, yeah. so, and, 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 you know, and remember the Padres were in the mix for him as well. Uh, I, um, I, I, you know, I know there were other teams that were, that were also trying to, you know, look, Serge, Scourge, Serger is a difference maker. Even at his age, he is still a difference maker. If you saw any, a little bit of what he did last night, the guy still brings it every night. You know, we just, 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 you know, just the the whole bulldog thing, and what have you. Now, is that going to be enough for the Dodgers? Look, I thought the Dodgers. I thought it was the Dodgers to lose, but the Giants have basically changed that conversation. And you know, the Padres are still in the mix. Although if they keep losing Tatis for these little chunks of time, it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna help them in the long run. Um, Again, I, I think very quietly the Giants made probably the best in the sense of what Bryant can bring for them overall. American League-wise, um, I guess maybe to, to a certain extent, I guess whether you may want to admit it or not, the Yankees making the moves to their lineup because they've you know they've they've, they've put themselves back in the mix now. I mean, they still, they still, you know, every, look, there's a, every, every team still wants one more pitcher. There isn't a, there, there, there's very few teams. I mean, even the Dodgers, you know, we thought the Dodgers, you know, we thought the Dodgers were going to be, was, this was going to be sort of a, a, a rollover for them, but you know, the whole thing with Bauer uh, off the field and, and some of the other things as well, it wasn't, it wasn't a slam dunk. So, 
it's it's still it's, you know what the the good thing is that it's still up in the air because even though the Giants have the best record in all of baseball, it's it's still anybody's to win right now in both leagues. Right, right, and and they have the best record that with the White Sox and then Astros not to. I mean, hell, the, the the Tampa Bay Rays as well. So when you look at it, uh, you know they're. They're not out of the, you know, realm of losing that position. And you're right. I mean, certainly, I mean, Rizzo and Gallo coming in, when you look at the left-right thing in the lineup, I think it helps the Yankees. But you're right also is that we need pitching. Um, Orlando, how all-in are Philly fans, more importantly, um, the front office, to, to try to get this team over the hump? Atlanta's having a down year. Mets have been solid. I've been saying they, they would be. Um, Philly right there. Big, big matchup coming up. How all in are they? And when you look at this team from a standpoint of, uh, you know, pitching and then their lineup kind of being on and off again, you know, how serious should we take the Phillies in terms of moving forward in the National League? Because I really think, again, I, I think it's the Brewers to lose. They 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 play well last year. Their lights out this year. They got the pitching. They're getting the hitting. They've been consistent in every uh, category on both hitting and ERA. Um, so they're going to be a tough out anyway. But how, how serious should people take the uh, the Phillies? Um, you take them about as serious as spelling their name Phillies. Um. People aren't really vested in the Phillies. Um, this city's still butthurt over the Sixers, as I mentioned earlier. Um, they're still uh, looking for Matt Clintax's address in Jersey somewhere, wherever he lives over in Jersey. Um, so if you know it, please post it. Um, they made a nice trade. They got rid of Spencer Howard. Uh, but this is probably the worst fielding baseball team that I've seen over the last 20 years. Like you mean in, in Philly, you mean a, in Philly? Yeah. Didi, okay. Didi was a solid shortstop and I don't know what happened to Didi. Um, you know, Harper, great guy, loves the city. The city loves him back, but I don't feel like, impressed by them. Today, you figure Aaron Nola was on the mound against a dreadful Washington uh, Nationals team, and he gave up five runs. They won the game thanks to Reese Hopkins' walk-off double. Uh, Well, not a walk-off, but his double in the ninth. But I'm not impressed with this team, man. I'm not impressed with this team. Uh, People in the city really don't believe in this team. If they get to the playoffs, we have a playoff game in October, hooray. But, no, people aren't really interested. People are, are, are talking about Dame Lillard and the Sixers, Ben Simmons. Um, they're talking Jalen, about Jalen the Hurts. Yeah, the possibility, not even Jalen Hurts, the possibility of getting Deshaun Watson here. Oh, yeah, uh, right. Mm-hmm. And, and Nick Sirianni, believe it or not, um, has proven to be a decent coach thus far. So I'm impressed by what the Eagles are doing and they're they're under the radar. So but you asked me about the Phillies. How in are they? Yeah. I guess if I if I come in the right door of the car and get out of the left door of the car, 
that's about a good analogy I can use for you, brother. I think that the surprising thing with Philly is that I didn't think Philly, like New York, like you mentioned, Orlando, and, and to you understand this, it's a tough town to, to, to be successful in. The fans are brutal. And I thought Bryce was going to struggle, but I, I, I'm very surprised, pleasantly surprised that he's doing well in embracing uh, the Philly fans and doing well, some walk-off home runs he's doing. He's been pretty solid um, since they, like they brought him. And, yeah. So, New York's not a hard town. Boston's not a hard town. Philly's not a hard town. You got to come correct if you come to these cities. You know, you, you got to come correct. Um, and, and people come here, and they they don't have the expectation of, of who the fans are. Um, Danny Green found that out the hard way. That's why they call him Daniel Green. They don't even call him Danny anymore. Um <laughs> For, for but you know, Orlando, Orlando. Only, the only thing I'm saying is that, you know, case in point, Roger Clemens, you know, always got a pass. And even in Boston, I wasn't sold on him. People could say what they want and disagree with me, but the Yankees type of that aura, that type of mentality, even if the fans are a holes and they are, especially in New York, not necessarily out New York. You come there with arrogance, maybe to the point of what you're saying, you're gonna get shut down. Ben Simmons is a perfect example of it. You know, not taking responsibility, but you can be a jerk, but be and but ball out like a Barkley or AI or whatever. Not not you know AI maybe not the jerk, but a guy who could have some swag because he was balling out. So what I'm saying is that. If you ball out, you could be who you want to be. But if you're not getting it done and Ben Simmons wasn't getting it done, then he ain't going to last in Philly or any of those markets that I just mentioned. You are you cannot talk the trash and not walk the trash. If you can't talk, if you can't ball, then you need to keep your mouth shut or you need to go somewhere else. I mean, but also you I think, Kimber- you know, as someone as someone looking on the outside looking in, I, I think with the Phillies, sort of the going with Orlando, so I think there's been a lot. I, th- I think at one point they did invest in them, but I think now it's more of they're you know they're they're sort of too gun shy to try to uh, go with. And I mean the the bullpen right. doesn't help. The bullpen, I mean right. their their bullpen is, is you know if if you know if anybody when Kimbrough was out there, I'd I'd have, I'd have you know personally would have if I'm Dombrowski, I would have went to the White Sox and if if he could be had, like, hey, what do you want? Because I think if you put Kimbrough in there instead of with the White Sox, then I think people will be like, oh okay, because then because then because then it gives because that's been their biggest Achilles this year. You know they they can hit on the surface they can hit. With like all the good, with all the teams, like the Blue Jays, like the Yankees, like like other teams, but their problem. I mean, how many, how many blown saves do they have now? Orlando was got, got to be up to like in the twenty-five. Oh man, 25. that's that's. I mean, twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I'm sorry killer. too. We're though the first week of I, August. I'm sorry, too, though, not to believe the point about the Phillies, though, but, yeah, Dombrowski makes these moves, but, T, you know how I feel about their manager. I felt about him when he was there. Oh, Joe, I thought oh, that Joe, he was – oh, yeah, I'm yeah, not a Joe yeah. Girardi guy. I mean, oh, really. No, Joe, Joe's, look, look, Joe, you know, Joe leaves a lot to be desired. But, we, but with that saying, 25 saves lost. 
You cut that right. in half. You cut that in half. They're in first place. Right. I mean, that's a great you point, especially with Atlanta. Atlanta being 500 this year. The division, you got to remember, at one point, the Mets, Philly, and the Mets, Philly, uh, Braves, and Washington were only separated by about five games. It's not, like the Mets, it's not like the Mets ran away with the division this year. The biggest lead they had was like about six, seven games. And that, yeah, last so it's, it's 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 weird in Philly, and and I guess the glass half full is that they're only half game on, as you said. It, even with their struggles, they're still they're still in the midst of uh, having a shot to overtake uh, the Mets. Two quick points uh, before we get out of here, and and a brief moment with the NFL as the season started. And, 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 uh, before we yep. can we just say you know just before we get away from baseball, um, yep. you know we lost we lost J.R. Richard today. Um, oh, man. 71 years old. Yeah, 71 years old. Um, you know, we talk about Gibson being intimidating. You know, we talk about so many guys. But, uh, you know, before before that stroke, there was nobody – there was absolutely nobody more intimidating, especially as a lefty, um, than uh, Jr. And, uh, you and, know, uh, God bless him and his family. And, and not only that, T, um, Exciting, I mean oh, yeah. that you know he he brought it, uh, and and yeah. that's what you like when you look at um, players. You want to look at a guy. I mean, he was overpowering. He was a he was a power pitcher um, on those. Um, were, were they the Colt forty fives then? No, no, no. He came up. He came, no, oh, no. He came up. He came up in the seventies. Matter of fact, he, he had fifteen right, strikeouts in his very first. He had fifteen Ks in his first game. So, right, uh, right. so yeah, he was he, he's been bringing he's he's been bring, he was bringing it from day one. Like I said, and you know, unfortunately, the organization didn't appreciate him, and and it, you know, it, sadly, it led to uh, the end of his career because um, they 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 thought that he was jaking it when the guy was when they almost he almost died uh, at the height of his career. Yeah, ten years, and it. I mean, it's opposing Randy. Johnson type size. I think it was six eight, six nine, or something oh, like six, that. Eight, six, eight, six eight, yeah, six eight. Yeah, and, and you know, and um, look, you know, those you know, when when guys used to beg off, <laughs> they would have Jritis or Richarditis. Like, nah, man, and, I ain't going up against that. And really, if he was a, if the throwing that that power pitch for a decade, he was, you know. Um, he was um, uh, a Randy Johnson before Randy Johnson, a power pitcher that was tall and intimidating, and could just mow him down. And that was that. That was a thing. Um, of course, a brother that um, didn't get the do, and of, of, of course, um, he he tried to come back. I think it was in the early '80s after he had the. the yeah, he the never. Yeah, from, it was never. Yeah, he went. He went to. He went to camp. Uh, been eighty one, but 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 unfortunately the stroke really just took away pretty much every, anything. And and then luckily, you know he you know luckily it didn't kill him. He you know he lived. You know he, he said he was seventy one when he uh, passed today, so he was able to still live. And a- actually, I guess uh, at some point he did mend fences with the uh, with the organization um, over the years. But yeah, it's 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 a, you know his story to me is always going to be a constant. You know. 
it sort of falls back on the thing of uh, Simone Biles because people were talking about he was jaking it. People said that he was jealous that Nolan Ryan made more money than him and that he was pulling himself out of the side. But the guy, you know, the guy was, yeah, he was damn near died. He damn near died. Right. And it was, you know, it was, it, it, it's, you know, as much as people talk about the, the, uh, the quote unquote, um, stealing sign scandal, I, I still will size. I still contend that the JR scandal was probably the biggest scandal in, in, the, in the history of the Astros. Right. And just a, a couple of quick points. I mean, uh, the first Astro to strike out 300 batters in a season in, in 78, he had 303. Uh, ERA at 271 that year, 313. He led the majors. He uh, 10-4 with a 196. Early part of 80, then he kind of struggled after that. But um, uh, only 30 at the time he had that comeback. And, um, you know, young. But a rest in peace, him and his family and blessings to to him and his family um, for um, his passing on 71 years young, J.R. Richards. And I, I do yeah. remember that. That's why I had to kind of think, like, man, I remember him and Nolan Ryan. Those, those old wild colors. Was it mm-hmm. <laughs> the old Astros mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. And I was like twelve or so when it, when he was pitching, just to, to show my age. Um, final question, baseball wise, in terms of uh, it's a two-parter. Did baseball get it right in terms of this rule in the beginning that showed, or the enforcement? of showing um, some of these pitchers to not be doing the right thing in terms of doctoring the ball, getting it right. They had some 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 splash with some pitchers getting uh, suspended and fined. Um, and starting, starting the year a little sooner next year, and also with those all – all the teams playing on the same day, which I, I think is, I think if I'm not mistaken, Tony, is unprecedented. Well, no, they usually, like the last day of the year, they usually try to make it so that everybody plays at the same time for whatever reason. Uh, no, they'll just, you know, the pitchers will just find another way to do it, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it it's sort of, remember during Giamatti's time when they went crazy about the box and then they sort of backed off yeah. on that? Now, you know, I think I think this I think this will wind up being um, the same thing. I mean, you know, they did all that, and basically one guy got suspended, and it was and, and you know, it's it's look, make sure you have you know they're, they're going to have bigger problems because the uh, CBA comes up, and they got to make up their mind as to whether they're going to keep the DH or not, uh, whether they're going to expand the playoffs or not. Uh, you know, people got people. I think, you know, people got a little taste of what could be last year, and I think they liked it. But for whatever reason, they backed off. Now, now it's going to be a thing for on, on the CBA, and and don't think that um, um, we may not see a work stoppage at the beginning of next year. Hmm. That will be something. It and, and as much as momentum they've had. Um, they they certainly don't want to have that, but that is a reality. Orlando, same question. I mean, that uh, you know, starting the the season earlier, and you know, it's it. We'll get to the NFL real quick, but um, uh, also, you know, it, it, trying to, as Tony said, trying to enforce these doctoring of balls by pitchers, and you see a lot of suspensions. Uh, it, was that something just as a splash, or something that you think they'll continue to do? 
The pitchers, I think that's a splash. Starting the season earlier, uh, I think that's dumb, uh, but they're going to do it. Um, and I, I do look forward to seeing the DH in both leagues. Um, that's always been a wasted opportunity, and with so much intra-league play, um, really doesn't matter. And uh, I think the expansion of the playoff system, um, Major League Baseball has always uh, been behind just about all the other sports with the exception of hockey. Um, So, yeah, and uh, I'll pay attention to what Tony mentioned with regards to a work stoppage in the CBA. You know, they have such a great commissioner in baseball. I say that. I say that as very, sarcastically as I could, could, could get it very out of my sarcastic. Mouth. Yeah. Let me ask you. Let's go to the NFL. Start with you, Orlando. When you look at the the Eagles, you mentioned them way earlier. Jalen Hurts. They listen. They've given them a wide receiver, still wide receiver in the draft. Um, they've they've uh, helped out on the offensive line. They're, they're, they're doing some things. A to improve. To me, my opinion, to improve the offense. B, to move on from Carlson Wentz. And C, to see, A, Jalen Hurts, this is your team. We didn't bring in a quarterback. We broke, You're the guy right now to see what he actually could do with some weapons around him. I, I, so I will say Carson Wentz is gone as he should be. Now we just have to get his twin brother, Ben Simmons, um, or I think they're, they're the same person, really. Um, <laughs> that's the joke here in Philly um, with the Scooby-Doo mask. Like, uh, who was it? It was really Ben or, or was it Carson? Jalen Hurts will have Rager. He'll have Fulgham. Uh, he'll have Devontae Smith. Um, you get Lane Johnson back. Uh, you get Brooks back. So he'll have the benefit of playing behind a solid offensive line. Um, I like, I told you, I like Sirianni thus far as a coach. Um, we'll see more things. But defensively, they've kind of solidified an area of weakness, linebacker and corner. So you're not going to see this Jim Swartz, I play 15 yards off the ball, against a guy that runs a 3-9. So that'll be interesting. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I don't think they're going to be anything more than a 9-win team. Maybe possibly 10, 10 10-7 will be nice. Um, I think in this division, believe it or not, I don't think the Cowboys will win this division. I think it will be Washington. This year, wow, uh, with wow. Fitz Magic and that defense that Washington has, like it's all first first round draft picks on that defensive line. Mm. So, yeah, and, yeah. and, and then behind and those dudes. Right, and they and they just got a linebacker in the draft that's going to help the um, that could run sideline to sidelines. Name escapes me right now, but. T, when you look at um, – it's a couple of teams I want you to look at, the, the, the Titans, the Oilers, and, the, you know, they bring in Julio Jones, who 
like AD, latter part of his career at least, has been hurt a lot. Everybody says, you know, when you got this kid on one side and Jones on the other side, you got this stud in the backfield with the play-action quarterback, this offense is the sky's the limit. They're going to light it up. Um, uh, but I still have concerns on their defensive side of the ball. Even bringing in, um, you know, the kid from the Steelers that, that, that can rush the, the, the quarterback. And then with the Giants and Jets, the, the Giants, Joe Judge is, is laying the, the gauntlet down, so to speak. He They had the big fight, and he's like, you don't like it, don't do it. I'm not sold on this quarterback. Um, and he's going to make or break their season, and he's got a lot of weapons on offense now, um, and hopefully Saquon comes back healthy. And then you got Zach Wilson, Wilson with the Jets with a lot of weapons, unlike where they didn't have an offensive line. He didn't have an offensive line. He had all the receivers. Zach Wilson comes in with these wide receivers, different coach. Assess those three teams and who you think, will be the better of the AFC because they're all in the AFC. Tammy Hill's still on the center for the Titans, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that answers that question right quick. Um, the Jets will be, I guess, out of attrition, probably with a new head coach or whatever. Uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not sold on uh, Wilson. I, I think, to be honest with you, I think, by midseason, they're going to be craving for Sam. Not that I'm a Sam Darnold fan, but I just think, you know, it's he may have one or two more weapons. You know, they'll go as far as their defense. And the biggest thing now is, are they better? Are, are, they, are you know, can they hang with the Buffaloes of the world, with Buffalo and or New England right now? Eh, they're, still, they're still probably on the outside looking in. Um, to be honest with you, I think the, 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 the team that people might be sleeping on in that division is in Miami. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they got rid of, um, uh, of Fitz, Fitz, uh, Rod Patrick. Fitzpatrick. And, <laughs> well, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, not, not a fan. Uh, I think the fact that they basically said, okay, to a, it's your, you know, you know, you ain't got to look over your shoulder now. You're the guy. And I I, I think they could be this. I, I think they're a sleeper in the a, in the AFC. Uh, Giants will go as far as um, if they – There you go. Yeah. Well, well, put this way. If, if they can get 10, 12 games on Saquon this year, they may, they may be able to contend for a wild card. But I, I'm, I'm, I, I think um, – you know, oh, you were saying nine and seven, ten and six uh, for the Eagles. Hell, that might be enough to win the division. How does that see? How does this adjust or change the landscape in terms of teams, the way they play, uh, the sense of urgency with that extra game and that extra wild card team? Well, the, the other factor that I think again people are sleeping on is the divide amongst the team, within the teams of vaccinated guys and not vaccinated guys. Right. Um, that, that may, you know, that's going to be a factor maybe even before they, you know, you know, start the season in earnest. You know, we've already seen a bunch of players that are, that are out 
with COVID or what have you. No, I guess it's better to get it early or what have you, but that's going to be an ongoing thing. And when you and and basically the league has basically said we're not covering your ass this year. If you know if you ain't got enough players, you're going to forfeit. So that whole thing and and there there are a lot of teams that were divided. I, ironically, you know we mentioned we we sort of half mentioned Darno, but Darno Darno early on was one of these was was basically showing his MAGA side very early by saying he wasn't getting vac, vac, vaccinated. And then, ironically, the, you know, they found out, I guess, the day before camp opened that he wound up getting he he wound up getting both vaccinations as well. So, you know, we're we're still, you know, we're still in COVID. We're still in COVID. I mean, yes, things are a little bit better than they were a year ago at this time, but it's it's um it may be more of a factor than I think we're than than we think. Uh, as we're looking at this today, August, that's August, August 5th. Let's see where we're at uh, September September 5th. Yeah, and you know what, Tony, uh, uh, Orlando, I mean, um, we'll get back to the COVID thing, and that's why I was con- concerned about the, well, not concerned, was surprised you picked Washington because they're one of the teams where they have a coach that um, uh, has those pre-existing conditions, and that's disappointed with the players that not getting tested, and it's been a, a, a real concern, not just there, um, but Baltimore and some of these other teams. But I'll get back to that. But what, with that being said, when you look at the teams you're picking or other teams are picking, uh, I mean other people are picking, Orlando, what's the most intriguing team, whether it be based on draft or trade, or, or teams, it could be one in each conference, that you're looking at that may can be impactful based on those things? I'm watching out. I got to see how the boy genius, Sean McVay, does with the acquisition of his new quarterback. Right. Um, I'm, I'm curious. You get Deshaun back on a cheap contract, or Deshaun goes home on a cheap contract. Um, I'm looking out for the Rams. Um, I I, I think Tony mentioned the Dolphins as a team that I'll pay attention to. Um, The Evil Empire, just because we'll be flying them around this year. Um, So I want to watch what he does up there. Um, as far as his culture, and I'm wanna, I'm looking at the Vikings. Like this is a shut up or put up year for the Vikings. Mm. Well, they still got that same Kurt What's Up Cousins as their quarterback. So well, who's, uh, who's, yeah, under, who's under who's under well, who's under COVID protocol right now as well? Who's under protocol? Right, we know he's right a fraud. And mm-hmm. and to your point, that, to both your point, and they have that receiver. Right, that, I know Delvin. Yeah, I know I'm a I'm a Florida State guy. I I'm a Florida State guy. I know, but and the COVID, I get it because actually, Orlando, uh, to Tony's point, both your points, Kirk Cousins is one of those guys that's in denial, and he had it before. So that, but but I mean, he's a he's a pick six waiting to happen. I don't know. But but your point about the Rams defensively, they're as good as they can get. They got the best uh, 
defensive lineman and the best corner in the in the game, right? So then, so then when you, but you look at Stafford. If Stafford's always been a stat guy, can Stafford bring them to the promised land, Orlando? That's the thing. I I, I don't know, but I am intrigued. I I'm I'm intrigued by the Rams. They'll play with some fans. I don't even know if they'll get fans in L.A. Um, but um, I, I, I got to give the boy genius credit uh, thus far. And I think Stafford over that fraud. Um, and now we yeah. look back on that draft with, with Carson and that fraud as the first-round pick, uh, first two picks. Oof, that was a yucky draft. And uh, um, one other team to you, one other team to you, uh, uh, Orlando, when you look at the Buffalo Bills, again, it's a team that nobody's really, that, that you know, league and players are respecting, but nobody's really talking about Josh Allen and the offense. I still question their pass rush. I know they, they, they went defense in the draft um, and their running game. But they definitely got the weapons to light up the scoreboard. It, uh, what did, do they make the the next step? And what about the Ravens? Um, Buffalo. I think if they were smart, they stop playing. They would stop playing games, and they would get Zach Ertz from the Eagles. I think that will push them over the top. Um, the Ravens. Hmm. I know that's where your your beloved team plays in that conference uh, with the real pervert that never went to jail. Um, Agre- agreed. Um, I don't know. Like your your division is 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 about as balanced as can be. We got the the Cleveland Brown frauds with the best fran- the best one of the best fan bases in the NFL. But I, I don't know what the Ravens are. Um, I think their window has passed them, honestly. I, I really think their window has passed them. Uh, um, let me ask you, to, to um, you, when you look at the Ravens, they arguably has the best secondary in the game. Certainly, Lamar, they added on some wide receivers to give him something to make him happy and see if he gets back to MVP caliber. You Cleveland, uh, Tony, I mean, Orlando talked about Cleveland is probably the most balanced team in the league, in, in the division at least, if that quarterback could do what he did last year. Offensive defensively, they play really well. But what about um, the, the Ravens? Is still Kansas City to lose? And what about those Buffalo Bills? As much as I hate to say it, I have I have I'm a little bit more optimistic about Buffalo than I am Baltimore. I I I hope I'm wrong. Um, they're never going to really get blown out because their defense is you know because you know again they still have the defensive pedigree you know part of their uh, history. But um, I just you know to be honest with you, I think the AFC is a little top heavy. I don't know if they're you know I don't know if they're going to be able to bust through that uh, glass ceiling because they still have to prove that they're the best team in that division. And I guess on paper right now it's the Browns, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not sold on uh, Baker Mayfield. I'm just not, I really am not. I, 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 um, 
I agree. I, 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 I think, um, but see, again, the one solid thing about all the teams in that division, with the exception of Cincinnati, is that they all are fairly decent defensively. They'll go as far, they'll go as far as their quarterback. And see, here's the thing. And I know it might be a little premature because he hasn't played the full year, but um, the wild card in this could be Burrow. Right. Especially with that, if their offensive line can protect them, well, yeah, that's, you're that's, right. That's, that's, that's the big if. That's, that's, that's the big if because they're the one team in that division that still defensively leaves a lot to be desired. But offensively, again, when everything, you know, if he if he's healthy and there's a lot. I mean, look, this time of the year, it's always about ifs. You know, there, there's very, you know, there's very few, there's very few absolutes, you know, especially when you realize the league fixed it for um, Giselle's husband again. So, right, you know. right. And speaking of that, final question to you guys going to the NFC. I'll, I'll stay with you, Tony. What are the ham sandwiches of the Saints doing? A lot of people thought that it was either going to be Jameis or they were going to make a trade. This kid battling for the quarterback position is not a quarterback. That's a whole another conversation. Um, uh, you know, the 49ers need to go with this guy, in my opinion, talk about them. And then is Tampa, you know, they have a very weak schedule. So talk about the fix was in last year. They got a weak schedule this year, and they got all their weapons back, even the old dude. So what about the those three teams? Who do you see the best out of those three? Um. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not impressed with Tampa at all. I'm not. Not even. Not even. Not even in the. You know. And maybe a lot of that is out of spite. I'll admit. Uh, the Saints. Look, they've known for the last year that Drew Brees is um, was was going to retire. So if they, if 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 the if the super genius down in the Bayou uh, is still trying to figure it out then maybe he ain't the genius that everybody makes him out to be. And uh, I forgot, what was, the, what was the other team you mentioned? Um, uh, San Fran, what they're doing with their quarterback position with Jimmy G and then the kid out of, uh, you know, the, the young kid. And then, and of course, uh, it, well, you mentioned Tampa. Um, see you in two years, San Fran. Yeah. I, just, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, they're just, I mean, they're, you know, they're, you know, I, I know that there's always a Super Bowl losers jinx, but they they took it to 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 the extremes, and but it may be it may be for the best for them because so this kid can develop. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy G wasn't the answer, nor was he the question. So they've got to, you know, <laughs> I I think it's going to be a year where they may do say. Um, a five and you know a five and oh, I'm sorry a five and uh, well no everybody's saying seventeen and so like a five and twelve or or or, or something uh, something to that but well no I mean look if, you know if you're gonna hand him the because see there's a part of me that would like to see Justin Fields I mean I know in my heart Justin Fields is the best quarterback on the Bears roster right now you know it, now, now now if you want to start the season with Andy Dalton go right ahead. But you know, by I can see you know a sort of thing of like what happened with Hertz last year, where they're literally and figuratively forced 
to throw the kid in there. But, you know, we'll see. He's, he's, he's been, no, to no surprise, he's been very impressive in camp. So we'll see. Yeah, and, and real quick to you, Orlando, um, San Fran, Tampa, and New Orleans. Um, San Fran, a great city. Love, love the um, Fisherman's Wharf. Um, that's all I have to say about San Fran. Uh, New Orleans, he couldn't have said it better. The 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 biggest fraud in the NFL and has been uh, for years is Sean Payton. Um, and the mere fact that he didn't prepare and doesn't have a quarterback there and doesn't want to give Jameis Winston a shot. So I wish him the best. And you know, with McBrady and those McFrauds, somehow or another, I think come NFC Championship weekend, we'll be talking about the frauds in the championship game. Oh, wow. The NFL, the NFL definitely wants to see that. So I know they say don't believe in conspiracies, Orlando. And I say don't believe in life then. Exactly. We got to run, but that's interesting there. Uh, thank you, Orlando Hughes, KRSB uh, Radio, and uh, Tony T. McClain, BASN Newsroom. If you miss any part of the broadcast, go to our website, the Bassett News Radio uh, Network. Dot com uh, the rebroadcast at the News dot airtime dot pro follow us on Pad Nation at Facebook Pad Nation Twitter um, uh, of course uh, Pad Nation two at Twitter and don't forget to check out the website and follow us interesting advertising with us hit us up at labassler forty at gmail dot com. <laughs>
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.